Hi, listeners. Hello. Hi, Emily. Hi, Megan. How you doing? Do you know what? So good. Emily, do you know what today is? What is today? Today is basically our last episode of Words of Radiance. We are going to have a uh, live read in the Discord of the epilogue in a couple days, and then... But I'm gonna I'm gonna have our discussion of the epilogue be part of our between book two and three discussion. So okay. this is like the last full main episode of Words of Radiance. We did it. <laughs> we did it. We <laughs> flew through this book thanks to Dragon Steel Con. <laughs> um, uh, hi everyone, my name is Megan, and I should be drawing Our Flag Means Death. My name is Emily, I should be working on my book. But instead... Instead... I'm making a podcast! I'm making a podcast! Uh, you may hear a little bit of ice from my drink. No, absolutely not, you're forbidden. Mm, but the... <laughs> I don't but care how delicious bubbles. your boba is. Mmm, delicious. Actually, you yeah. do what you want. Boba You're ASMR. <laughs> ah, yucky, yucky, yucky. Oh my gosh. So today, we're only covering three chapters, and I already know this podcast is going to be like three hours. We are covering chapter 87, The Riddens, chapter 88, The Man Who Owned the Winds, and chapter 89, The Four, uh, First Brush, Evelyn. What did you think of these chapters? They were incredible. I can't even stand it. I'm so mad that we're even talking just about my thoughts right now. I just want to get into the chapter. First of all, Emily is a witch, and we have to give her an award because Emily, who got partnered up with Zeth at the end of this book. Nightblood showed up. Nightblood! Ah! (laughs) Listeners, if y'all go re-listen to our Warbreaker coverage, Emily talks about explicitly how she wishes Zeth and Nightblood could meet. (laughs) And me and Ted are just looking at each other like, how is she doing this? (laughs) So I got my biggest wish in these, in the, my two biggest wishes in these books that Adolin and Shalad would get together. And then Seth and Nightblood teamed up. And and so we'd finished the Branderlanch, you know, a bit before. And Emily, mm-hmm. you had remarked that you couldn't believe there wasn't a major character death in this book. I was very surprised. Uh, but then after the Sanderlanch was over, who died? Somebody got stabbed in the face. Finally! Which Megan has made reference to multiple times throughout this whole book. <laughs> and I can't believe that I didn't pick up on it. And Sadius <laughs> got stabbed in the face Sabious. and is dead. And isn't that great? And Oathbringer got thrown off a cliff. So it's like your two favorite things. <laughs> I didn't want the sword to go off the cliff. Listen, it's technically a dead body. So, <laughs> oh, dear. So um, we have found out some cool stuff in these last three chapters. So let's get started with 87, The Riddance. Can you give me the epigraph? 
Yes, it says, Chaos in Alethkar is, of course, inevitable. Watch carefully and do not let power in the kingdom solidify. The Blackthorn could become an ally or our greatest foe, depending on whether he takes the path of the warlord or not. If he seems likely to sue for peace, assassinate him expeditiously. The risk of competition is too great. From the diagram, writings upon the bedstand lamp, paragraph 4. And it says it's Adrogia's third translation from the original hieroglyphics. What does Teravangian want to be? King of everyone. And who is he saying is in direct competition to his main goal? Dalinar. So if Dalinar continues to sue for peace and to pursue peace, apparently Teravangian thinks he could conceivably become king of everything. Mm-hmm. Wait, I thought if he seems likely to sue for peace. So if he's trying to be peaceful. Oh, never mind. Then assassinate him. I get that. But here's the thing. I don't think Dalinar is going to go the way of peace. Because remember at the end of book one where he kicks Elokar through a table. Fondly, yes. And realizes, <laughs> yes, that's the only way to get people to listen is by brute strength and de- also, the stuff that he does in these few chapters, I don't know that he's going to actually go for the peacefulest route. We'll have to read Oathbringer, although with Oathbringer lost over the side of Yurithiru. See, okay, I am, ugh, I was so, I was so confused because, well, I was worried because Sadius originally was given Oathbringer, and I'm like, oh my gosh, if Oathbringer is Sadius-centric, I'm going to be very upset because that means he's still around. <laughs> I didn't know he was just gonna die! <laughs> so... Now I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know if someone's going to find Oathbringer that shouldn't be looking around and poking around and then uh, bond to this sword. Like, I don't know. So, uh, something I would like to point out to you is that Way of Kings and Words of Radiance are both titles of in-world books. Yes. And maybe... Oathbringer follows that pattern. It's a book? Remember, because Way of Kings, there was a book Dalinar was obsessed with called Way of Kings and Words of Radiance. I do recall. Shalon has been searching Uh for Words of Radiance. So the pattern so far has been that the title of each book is the title of an in-universe manuscript. So Oathbringer is a book and it was named, the sword was named after a book. Potentially. Um, But we're not talking about Oathbringer today. We're talking about Words of Radiance. So, uh, Kaladin is walking around on the shattered plains, which have been shattered again by the strength of the two storms. And Mm -hmm. Kaladin and Sil... Oh, it was the storm that did it? I thought it was the the transportation. No, the transportation itself is not violent. It is just like, it's like a magic, magic trick. Where just everything on this plateau is just whoosh on the other plateau. So now the Shattered Plains aren't symmetrical anymore. Uh, I I think the Shattered Plains being shattered again is like a metaphor. I don't think they've been re-shattered. They're just, they're okay. real messed up because of the storm. Okay. They got super broke. Super broken. Oh dear. Anyway, there is a new storm. Kaladin, well, Kaladin knew what he was doing. He's looking for the body. 
and can't find it. So he's pretty sure Zeth might not be dead. Okay, so. Nope. But A new big problem is that the Everstorm is blowing the wrong way. Yes. So that means. They talk about that. They talk about that. Uh, I know. And they talk about multiple that. Multiple times. They talk about that before Zeth. So I want to talk about that first. That basically this is a huge problem because everyone's, literally everyone's architecture is built to shelter from storms blowing in from the east. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but the, the farther west you get, the less defensive architecture there is because the storms have always been softer. So this mm-hmm. Everstorm is going to be a huge destructive problem going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, this is bad. But he's asking Syl how the army vanished. And Syl's like, I don't mm-hmm. know. But as he's as he's as he's searching about, he and Syl are talking a bit about shard blades. Emily, let's you and me talk about shard blades. Are we gonna talk about Seth though? Not yet. They talk about him on the first page. Um can you read that to me? Yes. He found no sign of Zeth's corpse. That could mean the man had survived somehow, or it could just mean the storm had buried the body in rubble or blown it away, <laughs> leaving it in some... Can you read me the paragraph ahead of that? The shattered planes had shattered again? So that's not in my was... book. Um... Are you sorry? <laughs> both copies of my book here but i think i've left the small one somewhere else but um for those of you who don't know megan's reading out of a first edition (laughs) copy of the words of radiance my book says the shattered planes have been shattered again kaladin strolled across them with zeth's shard blade on his shoulder he passed heaps of rock and fresh cracks in the ground enormous puddles like small lakes shimmered amid huge chunks of broken stone (laughs) when does your book say that (laughs) It says that. Okay. It says it just. I said when. But the next paragraph okay. is about Seth's corpse. Um, do you know what? I I think I think we should just talk about the big change in the book right now. Okay. Emily, I want so so there is a big change, and then there have been smaller ripples before and behind it, leading up to it. And you just found one of the after ripples. So Emily, okay, I would like you to go back to the Zeth v Kaladin fight. Okay, I'm there. Okay, I want you to read excuses. If that was why you murdered, then you're not the evil man I assumed. You're a coward instead. And I want you to read until Kaladin grabs Zeth's shard blade. It says, okay, wait, a coward. Well, I've got them. I'm truthless. You can't be one of them. You see that I am. I don't know what that means, but you never had to kill. My orders, excuses. If that was why you murdered. It's near the very end of the fight. So it's just like a page back from chapter 87. Um, He knows where Delinar went. I do not. Okay, start it. There's lights. There's a storm wall. Emily, it's literally one page before 87. So go to today's reading and go back one full page. 
Then you're not the evil man I assumed. You're a coward instead. Zeth looked at him in the eyes, then nodded. He pushed Kaladin back, then moved to swing. Kaladin drove his hands forward, forming Sill into a sword. He expected a parry. The move was intended to draw Zeth out of his attack pattern. Zeth did not parry. He just closed his eyes to accept the attack. In that instance, for reasons he could not have anticipated, pity perhaps, Kaladin diverted his blow, driving the blade through Zeth's wrist. The skin grayed, flashing with reflected lightning. The sword tumbled from the assassin's fingers, then dulled as it plummeted. The glow fled the assassin's form. All his stormlight vanished in a puff. All lashings banished. Zeth began to fall. Get the sword, Sil sent to Kaladin, a mental shout. Grab it. The assassin! He has released his bond. He's nothing without that sword. It must not be lost. Now I'm going to read what it says in my book. Okay. I'm going to fast forward a little bit. Zeth looked him in the eyes, then nodded. He pushed Kaladin back, then moved to swing. Kaladin drove his hands forward, forming Sil into a sword. He expected a parry. The move was intended to draw Zeth out of his attack pattern. Zeth did not parry. He just closed his eyes. Kaladin drove his blade into the assassin's chest, right below the neck, severing the spine. Smoke, <gasps> smoke burned out from beneath his eyelids, and his blade slipped from his fingers. It did not vanish. Get that, Sil sent him a mental shout. Grab it, Kaladin, don't lose it. Kaladin dove after the blade, dropping Zeth's corpse, letting it fall backwards into the storm wall. It vanished among the wind, the rain, and the lightning, trailing faint wisps of stormlight. I like that better. <laughs> hey, me too! Me too, actually! <laughs> There's a little bit more. I want you to read the conversation between Sil and Kaladin at the end of the chapter. So, uh, okay, he says, I didn't kill him, Kaladin said. Did you want to? No, Kaladin said, surprised that it was the truth, but I should have anyway. You have his blade, she replied. The Stormfather likely took him, and if not, well, he is no longer the weapon he was. He once was. I must say that was very nicely done. Perhaps I'll keep you around this time. Okay. Jimmy. None of that is in my copy. Okay. It goes straight from, that was very nicely done, perhaps I'll keep you around this time. So let's jump to the, the Zeth and uh, Nail part a little later on in our reading today. Mm -hmm. So I am, I'm going to read you a bit of my copy with the Zeth and Nail interaction. Okay. Zeth opened his eyes. He immediately squeezed them closed again. No, I died. I died. He felt rock beneath him. Blasphemy. He heard water dripping and felt the sun on his face. Why am I not dead? He whispered. The shard blade pierced me. I fell. Why didn't I die? You did die. I'm going to fast forward a little bit as it, you know, describes nail and stuff. But then it says he held one hand behind his back while his other hand tucked something away into his coat pocket. A fabriel of some sort glowing brightly. I recognize you, Zeth realized. I've seen you somewhere before. You have. Zeth struggled to rise. He managed to make it to his knees, then knelt back on them. How? he asked. I waited until you crashed to the ground, the man said, until you were broken and mangled. Your soul cut through, dead for certain. Then I restored you. Impossible. 
not if it is done before the brain dies, like a drowned man restored to life with proper ministrations, you could be restored with the right Fabriel. If I waited seconds longer, of course, it would have been too late. Is there anything different in your copy from what I just read? Uh, it says uh, you could be restored with the right surge binding. Aha. Uh-huh. All right. It doesn't say anything about a Fabriel. It doesn't. Though. So I'm going to... Oh, well, no, no, no. I'm so sorry. It does. A Fabriel of some sort, question mark, glowing brightly, question mark. Yeah. But it, it he he definitely says, Nail definitely says Fabriel instead of surge binding in my copy. So okay. I'm going to read... Uh, first, I'm going to have you guess why do you think Brandon made this change with instead of Kaladin stabbing Zeth, uh, Zeth died in the storm. I think... I think he came up with something new, like a new rule for magic. Okay. And this would have contradicted whatever rule he'd come up with. All right. Brandon had a blog post about this when Words of Radiance came out in paperback. Uh, This is dated March 6th, 2015. Um, I'm going to read what he said about why he made this change. Moving on to Words of Radiance, as we were entering typo fixes for the paperback of this book, I made changes to a few lines near the end. This isn't anywhere near as extensive as the changes in Elantris, but once again I figure I should be upfront about what I did and why I did it. This part is going to have some spoilers for the book, so if you haven't read it, please stop right here. I'll put a number of blank lines here to prevent accidental spoilers. Scroll down if you finish the book. So, in Words of Radiance, I think the scene I worked on the longest, both in my head and on the page, was the final confrontation between Kaladin and Zeth. There was something I wanted to do, and took a stab at it in the text, then backed off because I couldn't make it work. It was important to me that Kaladin refused to kill Zeth at the end. Kaladin is about protection, not vengeance, and once he realized that Zeth really just wanted to be killed, I wanted Kaladin to hesitate. It didn't end up working, and I moved on to a new version and submitted it. But this itched at me, and by the time the book was released, I felt I'd made the wrong choice for that scene. So I've taken this chance to roll it back to the previous idea and written it in a new way, which I like much better. The events are the same, except for that moment. Zeth is now killed by the storm instead of by Kaladin, which I think is more thematically appropriate. The question this raises is about Zeth being stabbed by a shard blade, then being resuscitated. I am sad to lose the sequence, as it is an important plot point for the series, that dead shard blades cannot heal the soul, while living ones can. I'm going to have to work this into a later book, though I think it's something we can sacrifice here for the stronger scene of character for Kaladin and Zeth. As I've said, it's dangerous to tweak your work after it's out. I realize this, and I hope you'll give me some artistic liberty in this case. Besides, with Tolkien's after-publication tweaks to The Hobbit being so good, I think there's proof in the genre that changing the text here and there isn't always bad. Thanks, and as always, I appreciate you reading and supporting me in this crazy thing that I do. I believe personally that Brandon made a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to talk about why. And Emily, I'm feeling like you're going to be on the same page with me about this. I am. I, I like the, your version Mm -hmm. better. The way that it's done because he's changed such a small portion of the fight because it was only a few lines difference. It honestly feel, it takes me out of the story because it feels like Brandon Gave Kaladin fourth wall breaking knowledge to not kill Zeth in this moment when mm-hmm. it's not earned up to this point 
that Kaladin is like, maybe I shouldn't kill this one guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, okay, listen, I can see how it fits in with like his dad's ideal of like, can you kill to protect sort of mm-hmm. a thing. So I get how that would kind of kind of tune in. But at the same time, like this dude is so dangerous mm-hmm. and he has threatened people that Kaladin loves. Mm-hmm. I, he has killed, I think he should have. He's killed people Kaladin loves. He's killed Bridgman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I could see why Brandon changed it. But at the same time, I really liked the first version better. Yeah. So also, I would like to bring up Kaladin knows that taking the shard blade away takes away Zeth's powers. And I mm-hmm. think throwing someone to a high storm is the same thing as killing them with a shard blade. Because mm-hmm. letting someone die through your own inaction is the same result. This is this is like what Nalen was all about in the Shoemakers episode. <laughs> that like he dropped Zeth to certain death. And in the rewrite, we we do also see that Zeth still died. And mm-hmm. it's a very Oh, I didn't kill him with my own hands. Therefore, morally, I'm in the right, even though he dropped Zeth to die at the mercy of the storm instantly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, however, were I in charge of the television adaptation, <laughs> I would keep the new version in the television adaptation, mm-hmm. but through use of the music in that moment. I think I could make it work. Sorry, that's mm-hmm. so vain. I think telling this story visually and with music would sell the emotion of this moment better than with this mm-hmm. sudden change that Kaladin just thinks, well, maybe not this time. Because, Emily, this brings me back to my worst video game experience of all time, Assassin's Creed 2. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers for the ending of Assassin's Creed 2. When you finally fight the final villain, a man that you've been hunting for decades, who killed your whole family, who's responsible for all the death and pain in the whole book, you, the assassin, who's following the creed of assassins, who've killed hundreds of sidekick characters, decide after the end of the boss fight to spare this villain. And it's a, I think books, video games, movies, all that sort of stuff very poorly balance the value of a life where if we know the character their death means more than the the cannon fodder that we take out during action sequences and we've mm-hmm. seen Kaladin feel bad during cannon fodder scenes just like we've seen Dalinar feel bad during cannon fodder scenes but the weight given to the lives of characters with names and lines is so much stronger than the weight, like the narrative weight given to everyone else, that this change didn't work for me, although I understand the feeling behind it. I I think something that would have helped this a little more, if Kaladin is about protection and not vengeance, then he should have tried to save Zeth from the storm and then lose him in it. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Zuko holding his hand out to Admiral Zhao at the end of season one of Airbender. Mm-hmm. So those are my thoughts. I also I also think maybe the reason that it got changed a little bit is that Kaladin is supposed to be the hero mm-hmm. and the hero is supposed to be impeachable. And well, Kaladin has done a a big mental turnaround in this back part of the book, 
Mm-hmm. Um, this scene kind of gets him too close to perfect too fast. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I just love the the visuals of the sword going into Zeth. Because here's the thing. He's killed so many people with a shard blade. Uh-huh. It feels so poetic that he himself would die by shard blade. I agree. <sighs> and listen, I think I think it takes immense courage to make those changes though yeah. like can you imagine i could never imagine if i ever had a book published and then i came out later says just kidding i want to change this i wouldn't have the courage to do that i think that you know that was a big deal for brandon my this boils down basically to i understand why brandon made the change i disagree that mm-hmm. thematically this is stronger mm-hmm. i understand this is who he wants kaladin to be as a character i don't think it mm-hmm. fits here plus i would rather if kaladin and zeth ever saw each other again later in the story Mm -hmm. i would have rather kaladin be like struggling with the guilt of killing okay okay this is what i would do this is not in oathbringer i would have had Mm -hmm. kaladin struggling with the second thoughts of killing zeth so instead of brandon having second thoughts about this and changing this book i would have given those second thoughts to kaladin in the next book and have, you know, Kaladin doubting his own choice where, like, at the end where he's like, I think, I really think I should have spared him. And Syl was like, he could have killed again. You don't know what else he could have done. You, It was the right yeah. thing to stop him. And Kaladin's like, but I'm about protection. So I would have rather that struggle come through in the text because um, Nail does revive Zeth in both versions so like zeth mm-hmm. doesn't really die it's just that yeah. brandon didn't want his hero to kill his blurbo <laughs> <laughs> zeth everyone's blurbo and i don't understand <laughs> megan get on board <laughs> maybe in book three i will but so far it is not this day not really. uh, so um now that we've cleared up why emily had a whole extra paragraph about where zeth's body because Honestly, if if we don't see the body, the character could still be alive. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? That's like rule number one. I want to take back what I said before about if I ran the TV show, I would keep the second ending. Mm-hmm. If I ran the TV show, I would keep the first ending and I would give Kaladin the doubts. Okay. <laughs> don't hold me to that you internet. <laughs> either, either way is canon. You win both ways. Oh, but Emily, I have to tell you the funniest thing. Okay, I'm ready. I didn't know about the rewrite for seven years. Oh. Until I was talking with a friend about this scene and about how much I loved you never see the hero kill the villain. They always pull back. And my friend was like, he absolutely pulled back. And I was like, no, he didn't. He stabbed <laughs> him. in the Yeah, in the face. <laughs> and my friend was like, no. Kaladin doesn't kill Zeth. The storm kills Zeth. And I'm like, he stabs him with the shot. And we pulled out our copies of the book. And that's when I found out there had been a change. So I didn't know. And I'm going through Oath. Like, I'm reading Oathbringer thinking it was the original ending. Mm -hmm. What? Plus, I just. Okay. I love the idea that Zeth dies and then is reborn and gets to try again. And what you said, the poetry mm-hmm. of him dying by Shardblade is so good. Anyway, you go. Well, compare this to Adolin, who killed someone. Our our golden retriever, hero, himbo, 
wonderful person kill someone in cold blood. And I love the parallels between Mm -hmm. that and then the original ending with Kaladin. Because you get the two heroes doing the same thing, but, I mean, kind of for the same reasons. Is Well, Adolin's was a little bit more about, I think, personal revenge than, like, protecting everyone else. (laughs) But also, and we're going to talk about this with Adolin's thing, I -hmm. think Adolin was in the right. Oh, yeah. But the way, like, how dark that scene happens in a back alley where no one can see, it definitely Mm -hmm. doesn't feel like the Alethi way. (laughs) to murder somebody in a back hallway. Oh, no, I think it totally is the Alethi way. He he uses violence to take care of the problem. See, and I think the Alethi way is fight for glory in front of everyone. But anyway, what oh, were you going to say? That's, that's true. Um, I was going to say, back alley, is this like Yasna? Is this the lesson all over again? Is this Adolin's lesson? Is this, mm-hmm. if I don't kill Sadius, he will continue to do harm? Mm-hmm. Like, like, Sadius surprised everyone by showing up, and Adolin's like, now? Now you're going to do this? Anyway, I don't want to get too far into it, but but the, the parallels between Adolin and Kaladin with the original ending were just very interesting to yeah. me. Yeah. And, like, fighting someone to the death. I know Kaladin's like, can you kill to protect? Mm-hmm. And I think this should have been the moment where Kaladin fights to the death Kills to protect the most dangerous assassin the world has ever seen. And after fulfilling his, like, basically his, not his childhood wish, but, like, his childhood beliefs, his goal, after he fulfills this, he's like, I was wrong. And Mm -hmm. I feel bad about it. Yeah. And I think that would have been a stronger character, listen... I'm excited to get into what Kaladin feels in Oathbringer about the fallout of all mm-hmm. of this. And I will let you know, guilt about what happened to Zeth has zero presence. <laughs> <laughs> I think there should be more. <laughs> <sighs> but uh, let's go back to Syl and Kaladin um, at the beginning of 87. Talking about shard blades. Emily, let's you and me talk about shard blades. Okay, so... Sills a shard blade. Uh-huh. You know, where she's alive uh-huh. and all shard blades are spren, but the the other ones are all all dead. Yeah. It says, Oh, uh they live so Sills explaining, then they live again a little when someone summons them, sinking a heartbeat to their essence. And we're gonna find out more about the screaming and everything like that, and who can hear it and why they can hear it, that sort of thing, which is really, really interesting. I okay, so I was trying to form some theories about the instance during the white spine encaged duel mm-hmm. when Adolin, or I'm so sorry, when Kaladin does the clap, and then the dude starts freaking out like, "I didn't kill you! I didn't kill you!" I thought maybe Kaladin had accidentally sucked all the stormlight out of the shard blade and killed whatever it was. Because I was starting to understand that the swords might be sentient. Um, And so that's why maybe I thought when you bond with the sword, you know, either you you meet it or it has a personality. I was thinking more Nightblood Mm -hmm. sort of a Mm -hmm. thing of it being like able to speak. But like... Adolin never heard his sword speak or anything like that. And so I was wondering if when Kaladin did the clap, because he's so bloodied and so beat down by that point, I was like, he must be sucking in 
the stormlight and the shard blades must have stormlight because they're magical sort of a thing. Uh And so that's why I was worried when he fell, I thought he had sucked all the stormlight out of Syl and killed her that way. Yeah. But she just left because he broke his oaths. Mm Mm-hmm. So anyway, that that was my kind of theory going on at the moment. Love it. So we find out that the blade that Kaladin is holding, the one that Zeth had, mm-hmm. uh, Kaladin can't hear screaming when he holds it. Syl says it's because it's not a spren, but it is dangerous. Um, she stopped just before the sword. I think this is one of the honor blades, the swords of the heralds. And so we're led to to understand that these swords will give men radiant like powers but that does not mean the people the men or women holding them are radiant right it, it basically is like a cheat code to give you just radiant skills without any radiant oaths i'm gonna yeah. read one line about this sword looking over the thin silvery weapon an unornamented blade that was supposed to be odd uh the other shard blades we've seen the dead shard blades have very fancy hilts with usually like gems in the pommel and this one just doesn't mm-hmm. have anything doesn't have anything like that yeah. yeah 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 okay i do have a beef with this chapter give me the beef and maybe megan you can explain this because i'm sure i've missed something along the way i will cook your beef correctly <laughs> thank you at the korean barbecue Delicious. place so when the army is running to the circular plateau Uh to be transported off like at one point people are seeing people falling off the edges because the wind is coming up and it is so strong and everything and yet there are bridgemen who've just been outside the whole time and are totally fine um (laughs) what they got protected by the narrative, just like Zeth. <laughs> um, they are tougher than everyone else, question mark. Does it say? Okay, okay, it wait, wait, says... wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay. Um, Shalon has gone back and forth a couple times, apparently. Uh, mm-hmm. She has taught these guys how to do the platform and she has sent them back after everyone else transported so they did not stay they left and then came back the original bridge four bridge got blown away in the storm and they're using a bridge 17 bridge got it okay that makes a lot more sense and i'm a lot happier about that than if they just miraculously (laughs) all survived (laughs) okay so uh, i'm sorry i'm gonna fill in a couple little blanks for you that Zeth has this honor blade. Um, there should exist 10 honor blades. One of mm-hmm. them is missing because remember only nine were in the ground. I do remember. And uh, Tara Bangian said to Zeth that the Shin have seven others mm-hmm. and Zeth has one. There is one left unaccounted for. I am 87% certain that it's Nails. That Nail has oh. his original honor blade. I thought it was Talenalat's because his got taken from Oh, sorry. Him. That's that's why that's that was sorry. Talm was the first that finger I what? put down. I'm so sorry. Okay. Right. So Talm was the first finger I put down. Zeth has mm-hmm. one. The Shin have mm-hmm. seven others. There's mm-hmm. one unclaimed. To my understanding, 
That is Nail's sword that he still has. Okay. But listeners, I might be wrong on this. Honestly, write in, tell us, Discord, I know you have my back. (laughs) Nice, (laughs) Um, nice. But yeah, so every, every shard blade that we know is the corpse of a spread. And this is what the Stormfather was worried about because all of his other, like, Sill is the only one left. Mm-hmm. All of the other Spren who have bonded with a human have died. And the, the Stormfather had that line earlier in the book where you will kill my daughter and leave her corpse for wicked men. And sorry, I'm playing connect the dots here for Emily because she deserves it. Uh, when Syl first comes back and she's alive, she's mm-hmm. like, Kaladin's like, you were dead. And she's like, I was only as dead as your oaths. This means every single Radiant broke their oaths together and killed all their spren. And Ooh. whatever caused that in one of our epigraphs in the last reading, Taravangian said, hold on to whatever made them do that. You may need to implement it again if another wave of radiance arises. So Taravangian oh. knows why that happened. Okay. Does he know it? And I don't know if you can answer this. Does he know it because the diagram told him? Or is this is this knowledge he gained from like a scroll somewhere? So I will tell you the diagram is not psychic. It did not grant right. him new knowledge. It just gave him a really really good way to connect all of the knowledge he already had okay so the diagram is not psychic and it's not giving him new magic information he's probably Mm -hmm. learned it from a scroll i have a suspicion that he learned it from gavilar because Mm -hmm. we found out that gavilar and dalinar saw the same visions teravangian mentions that gavilar Mm -hmm. saw visions gavilar was asked to unite them so I'm just I'm just going to connect these dots for you. Gavilar saw the same visions that Dalinar had. So okay. he was on that mission first. Zeth killed him off and now it's Dalinar seeing those visions. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm thinking of? What you thinking of? <laughs> that Shalon has this all figured out before Yasna does and when Yasna comes back she's going to be real surprised again. Okay. And I'm just I'm just going to tell you one more time. We saw the body. Okay. We saw a body. And and to be fair. A body. And it was to be dark. Fair, Nail has just said you can revive a body if you get to it fast enough. But the boat went down. Because <laughs> Shalon did a murder. And it's not her first one. <laughs> I would love to keep a kill count for her throughout this to see how many people she's killed. Okay, okay. So we've got in order her mom, her dad, the boat. <laughs> That's her, at least all the kill counts we know about. Listen, she may yeah. have gotten up to so many shenanigans off camera that maybe she doesn't even know all of them. There you um, go. So here we've got some of the Bridgemen are here. Drahi, Pete, mm-hmm. Bizig, Sigzel, Rock, and Teft. And Relaine. And Relaine! Where does it say Relaine? Did Relaine get added in the second? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, sorry. No, Relaine is here. Relaine is here. He's he's sorry, there. he's in a different form. <laughs> Oh, uh, 
just I was like, that's a huge added listen thingy. The way fans are so vehement about the Han shot first. Mm-hmm. That's my listen, Kaladin stab Zeth is my Han shot first. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. It's it's branded story. He gets to do whatever he wants. I think stabbing Zeth was the way to go. And not because, listeners, I know that I've complained about Zeth the whole time, but I'm saying it's as if Kaladin was granted magical psychic knowledge that Zeth is having a hard time and he should spare him, actually. Yeah, he was having a hard time. But there's no way for... (laughs) Okay, and Kaladin does know that. He does, like, see his mental state. But again, again, Kaladin is a pragmatic, surgeon-minded man, and he knows what kills a person. And I believe... He knows what you have to remove to save everything else. Yes. And he needs to remove Zeth. Yeah, yeah. I... The... the... Oh, also... Sorry, can I jump in really fast? The the idea that Kaladin the surgeon takes a knife, quote-unquote, to take out the poisonous part, which is Zeth, I think is also very poetic. To counter that. That was his character growth during the Elokar thing, because mm-hmm. do what you have to do to survive is what Tien's murderer said. Mm-hmm. But again, the guy who sent Tien to die did not physically stab Tien. He just sent mm-hmm. him into certain death. So even though Kaladin didn't physically stab Zeth in the rewrite, he sent him to die in the storm. Where boulders and trees and bridges are just <laughs> flying around in the air. So, so I guess, okay, I can't gripe about this all the time. My biggest gripe is the rewrite is like, I'm not going to kill him. I'm just going to send him to his death is the same thing. It equates to the same thing, but it's like, when <laughs> so I'm watching Scandal right now. <laughs> And poor David Rosen is the most put-upon man in all of Scandal. And someone in the in the main crew sleeps with him, lies to him, steals from him to cover up illegal activity that someone else has done. Oh, and no. then he comes to confront her about it. And in front of everyone, she's like, I would never. I love you. I want to make us work. I would never. And then after he leaves, she reveals the important thing that she has stolen from him. Whoops. So so you would agree that this is morally wrong. Yes. But they started playing a track of funny, lighthearted music. So the show mm. is telling us, no, it's okay she did this because we're playing a funny song. And, Don't like it. And I that always annoys me when like, hey, this situation, this scenario is terrible. This is wrong. This is horrifying. But the filmmakers are like, we're just putting funny music over it to let you know that we think this is okay. <laughs> so, uh, sorry, I sorry, I'm so heated about this. You just have passion. I have passion. That's all it I is. follow the passions. Kaladin is also feeling a lot of things, not all, not always in agreement with everyone else either. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, he doesn't know how to tell them about Moash, and he's asking about all the other bridgemen that have fallen, and they're all, you know, obviously Kaladin's like, "Wow, I feel very responsible for all of this, all of them." And Tef says, "You can't protect us all, son. You can't stop people from feeling pain. Can't stop men from dying." Kaladin opened his eyes, but did not challenge those statements, not vocally at least. Yep. And uh, 
three bridgemen are dead that I do not know or care about. <laughs> <laughs> so if I were in charge of the television, <laughs> we would know and care about the bridgemen we lost. And 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 that's easier to do. That is so much easier to do visually, um, because. Mm-hmm. The, the actors. You can have them in the background yeah, doing whatever. You can whatever. have them in the yeah. background. And in a book, you only notice what the characters look at. But in mm-hmm. uh, film, you can see what the camera looks at, which is a lot more. Mm-hmm. I say this as someone who's trying to do an Our Flag Means Death storyboard right now. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's just about Ed and Steed. And then I realize I keep setting things with all of the pirates in the background. And I have to draw <laughs> like 20 people. <laughs> <laughs> we find out some big changes are happening. Changes. Hey, uh, what did what did Teft see during the battle? Uh, some of the lads, some of the other bridgemen have been glowing with stormlight. Uh, and this is great because Teft has been listening to uh, the reading out loud of the visions that Dalinar has been seeing. And he says, from what I can guess, it seems that the orders of the Knights Radiant were made up of more than just the Knights themselves. And you mentioned something about squires. So I'm assuming, I mean, there's the Knights Radiant, K-N-I-G-H-T. Uh-huh. And famously, Knights had squires. <laughs> so. Sounds like Kaladin is going to acquire a squire or two. <laughs> And then uh-huh. he breaks the news to Kaladin that Kaladin is now a light eyes and <gasps> Kaladin is like what? bleep. <laughs> Storms. He's like storming light eyes. He dot dot dot. He was one of them now and he's so angry. He is so mad because this is something he threw in Moash's face earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. This will be I'm really I'm really interested to see how this is going to play out because of the way Kaladin has felt about Light Ice mm-hmm. his entire life and the way that they abuse power and the way that they just kind of walk over everybody. Like you remember when the the prostitute wasn't getting paid and Adolin comes in to kind of rescue her and Kaladin just kind of sees that as like he he's just like oh those light eyes they're all the same you know like even though he saw Adolin do something you know kind-hearted and wonderful he just he's put them all in the same camp and now he has to live there too yep but like the way that Alethi society is set up to dividing the caste system between light eyes and dark eyes, someone growing up a part of a privileged portion of society is definitely different than someone who gets magically transformed to look like the privileged part of society. So mm-hmm. we will have to see if the social conditioning either extends to Kaladin or if he's able to tear society down continue i wonder if someone if if he's complaining about it and someone's like well light eyes have it hard too and then try and explain some stupid thing about like we can't always get the fruit in the season that we want like i'm just waiting for Kaladin to be like oh my gosh (laughs) i i feel like shallan might have done something like this earlier where she's mm-hmm. like, oh, as if light eyes have never had a hard time. I think this is when, oh, sorry. When they were first arguing down in the chasms, like before they became friends. And he's like, oh, mm-hmm. you treat me bad because I'm a dark eyes the way that you treat all dark eyes. And she's like, oh, you cannot lump all light eyes in together like that. 
that like that first part of their conversation felt very much like that to me. Um, yeah. Like because Shalon and, and it, it gets sort of buried when Shalon's past trauma comes up because it seems to prove Shalon's point that because she has had a traumatic childhood, it suggests mm-hmm. to her that light eyes and dark eyes both have it difficult. Um, yeah. However, in the broader sense of uh, statistical moments we can pull from the books, Shalon's life as a light eyes is an outlier and Kaladin's experience as a dark eyes is typical. Uh, mm-hmm. So I... I feel like the scenes in the chasms really played the point in Shalon's favor that she like proved to Kaladin that he was wrong because she's had a hard time when Mm -hmm. really it's the complete opposite. As we move on to the next portion, we're kind of getting um, facts. And I love this, that Shalon is a scholar. And so I love that this next portion is basically just listing facts of what everyone has done. Like, it's not flowery. It's not, like, prosy. It's just, like, this is what's going on. This is what's happening. This is what we need. Like, I, I just like the the kind of switch into, because we're in Shalon's mind. And I, I appreciate that from Brandon. She has a new title. People are calling you bright. People are calling her Brightness Radiant. Yeah, which I would think it would be radiant brightness. No, but brightness I is, get that it yeah. would be is the title. I don't know. To me, it just feels it should be the other way around. <laughs> but I get well, it. That's too darn bad. <laughs> <laughs> but at one point, um, I love that she's realizing like everyone is watching her for good reason. I mean, she's kind of pulled off the absolutely impossible. And she's like, that doesn't matter because eventually I'll be able to slip away in a disguise, like with her yeah. her light weaving ability. And I love that she's already making plans to do that. It's not like something that's going to come to her in a moment of, oh, I can still do this. It's just, I will do this. Mm-hmm. Oh, however, she may not be so easily disguised as she thought. There are people who know her secrets. We'll get to them in a second. But somebody's mm-hmm. like... Everyone is very aware that as of right now, Shalon is the only one who can operate the Oath Gates. Yes, because only her shard blade works. No one else's. Yeah. Uh, and Emily, why is that? Because it's a real shard blade. Who? Who? It's Pattern. It's Pattern. That's definitely Pattern. Who is her shard blade? <laughs> and they are, Dalinar is trying to send out span reads to the east sorry span reads to the western coast to warn everyone hey we there's a storm coming the wrong way get ready yeah and they know that elokar has vanished they don't know what's going on uh they know that kolinar is in a state of riot he doesn't know what's going on either like like the world has changed like emotionally the world has changed not just physically and i i think that is going to be this is going to be like the the high storm and the ever storm coming together where we have physical changes with the world with all the the new storms you know new status quo and then you have all of the upheaval and rioting and everything that not only is happening in happening in uh colonar but it's happening all over the world thanks to teravangian 
And I'm so excited to kind of see these two ideas smush together and like go out from there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kaladin shows up like a fancy magical girl. He just and and listen. He wa- he he walked out of the storm again. He like survived again. I love that he just survived again. He's, and people are just like, "Yep, here he is." He's glowing. He's carrying a shard blade. He's in his cool blue uniform, but his eyes are glowing and yeah. But he still has his slave brands. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if that is something that he's unconsciously holding on to or if this is like it is a part of him and therefore like I would assume if you become a radiant it's not going to change who you are internally like the choices you would normally make. And so I wonder if the the stormlight kind of sees those brands as something that is like part of him. the essence of Kaladin. Yeah. yeah. It's very on brand for him. <laughs> oh, Megan Camille. <laughs> uh, so, Navani is keeping it together, but she's only got one child left. And so she's like, mm-hmm. where is my boy? <laughs> and Kaladin's like, I put him someplace no one would think of. And he adopted Elokar out to a kindly woodcutter family in the woods. A foundling child. And now Elokar is going to get raised right. So Elokar is now Lopin's brother. <laughs> and the Lopin is uh, sitting outside trying to breathe in Stormlight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And inside, his mom is bullying Elokar into eating his vegetables. <laughs> And he's trying to say, I'm the king. I don't take orders from you. And I love this line. You're in my home now, she said. And Lopin mouthed along with the words. In a Herdazian's woman's home, nobody's station means nothing beside her own. And I love that Lopin knows all of this and just can mouth it along. I just love that characterization. And I love this woman. Me too. Honestly, might have done Elokar some good if his if his mom had been a little more structured in his upbringing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Lopin's able to suck in the light yes and he says ha he shouted leaping to his feet hey come back here I need to stick you to the wall okay. wait just a second because okay. Lopin mentions earlier in this chapter that he has been trying to do this every single day since Kaladin started glowing he has been earnestly mm. trying um, and okay. and today like today is the day that it works. Uh, mm-hmm. And I want to talk a little... I know we're going to get to Moash in a second. Mm-hmm. But it's brought up that the the people who follow a Radiant will sometimes mm-hmm. be gifted. Not all... And, and sorry, earlier when this was mentioned in the book, not every order has this. Uh, Shalon is reading this from the in-book words of Radiant's book. Uh, not mm-hmm. every order has this, but some orders, people who follow a Night Radiant will get similar Night Radiant powers. That mm-hmm. if Moash had stayed the course, he would have become Kaladin Squire. Mm. He would have gained, is it possible to learn this power? And Moash makes the wrong choices in these books. And it's sad. And I'm banging against the window yelling, 
Moash, stop. No, don't. Moash, turn around. Moash, no! But he's like, Moash, yes! And it's like, come on, man. I was rooting for you. How many squires can a Radiant have? Because it seems like several of the Bridgemen are doing this. Undetermined. But you can have multiple squires. Multiple squires. Okay. Yeah, it's not one knight, one squire. It's, It's... Scores of squires. Squire squad. Nice. <laughs> uh, but because Lopin has, you know, I'm not going to say stumbled into this. I mean, he really has been trying. He's so excited to try out his powers, but he realized the light has faded ridiculously fast, almost as fast as he's breathed it in. And he realizes he's growing an arm back out of, out of nothing. <laughs> Is making fire out of nothing. Which is, I, it's really, really interesting. Uh, because remember when Kaladin got his arm sliced by the storm, by the shard blade earlier on when he, he'd faced uh, Zeth. And I was just like, oh, wow, this is something that he is going to have to deal with. And then immediately it got fixed. Yeah. I... Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think this works in this book because it's like a video game where you can have health potions and you can, you know, eat whatever to get your health up, which I think allows the story to, okay, go longer, I guess, because if like your characters in your book are so injured, they can't do anything. The story kind of stops there. And so I don't mind that they have a way to heal themselves. I think it's interesting if, uh, because you find out that sometimes it can be taken away. And so that adds like a whole new element to it. But I, I don't know. I kind of like that this is happening. I like it. Okay. See, and I I have a lot of complex feelings about this because the idea that magic takes away people's disability as if being able-bodied is the ideal and only way that magic sees you is is a, a, a complex topic that happens a lot in fantasy. Where people's, mm-hmm. like, once they get magic, people's disabilities are erased. And I know that, the, that this is something that is a critical point in the fandom. And it's something I'd like to get into And this won't be for a while, but Emily, when we read Dawn Shard, I'd like to be more prepared for the conversation there. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's, it's sad to me that disability exists in these characters only for it to be fixed by the magic system. Renarin doesn't wear his glasses anymore. Lopin's arm is growing back. And... It's, it's a, like, it's a common thing for able-bodied people to be like, oh, well, your disability doesn't define you. But at the same time, it's like, okay, but ideally you would get rid of it, right? To be like us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have conflicted feelings on Lopin regaining his arm because it's, it's clear mm-hmm. that since Brandon is such a planner, such a plotter ahead, he always kind of had it in mind that Lopin would get his arm back. Mm-hmm. So I I have complex feelings on this and mm-hmm. I'm not entirely on the side of fixing it, especially because uh, some stuff I would like to get into in later books. 
Okay, I'm looking forward to the Dawn Shard. This will be a this will be an interesting conversation. Yeah. So speaking of interesting conversations, let's talk about Moash feeling let's bad. Talk about Moash and Graves. He tried to kill Kaladin. Kaladin, like my best friend. My best friend, and and Moash is feeling really conflicted because he's just like I was there to kill the king. Which is a direct contradiction into what Kaladin thinks is right. And Kaladin's my best friend, and I respect him, but, 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 you know, and yeah. Oh, and Moash has been unwittingly recruited to be a follower of the diagram. Yep. He's, okay, it feels like he's been kidnapped. Like, he went with them of his own volition, but it still feels like he has been kidnapped. Yeah. And uh, it's very Vivenna from Warbreaker. Graves is talking about how the diagram. Oh, yeah. We knew about the Everstorm. We knew that term because of old Gavilar's visions. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. while I will let you know, Gavilar was not a follower of the diagram because Teravangian Mm -hmm. didn't put that together until after Gavilar died. uh, The people who are a part of the diagram knew about the content and the existence of the visions. So that factored into the information Teravangian had when he was connecting everything together in the mm-hmm. diagram. So, um, can I jump in really fast? Because Graves is talking about how the diagram is vague. Uh-huh. Uh, the diagram said this will probably return the Voidbringers. Those have turned out to be the Parchment, it seems. And he talks about, like, he's so mad that Yasna was correct. Uh-huh. But at this point, I'm not 100% certain that the Parshmen are the Voidbringers. Okay. I feel like the Radiants are the Voidbringers. Exclaborate. Okay, because they talk about Voidbringers having their shadows on the wrong side. Okay. And that happened to Yasna's shadow. It did. And she's a Radiant. Okay. It also talks about them... uh, Sorry, these are really good points, and I love how close Mm -hmm. you're reading this. It also talks about the Red Eyes... Which is something mm-hmm. we specifically saw from we the Transformer Shandy. Did see that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love it. Trust nobody, not even yourself. Hold <laughs> okay. on to this. <laughs> Sounds good. So, oh, oh, um, oh, you go. Sorry, I'm gonna just talk about more about uh about Graves, and he's like, I thought for sure my interpretation was correct. That if we removed Elokar, Dalinar would become our ally in what is to come. No, he wouldn't have. I think if he had found out that that person had killed Elokar, Dalinar would have dropped everything and traveled the earth to kill the person who killed his beloved nephew. I agree. And these, okay, these people have an incomplete and incorrect view of who Dalinar is now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's just, it's... They're working off of old information and mm-hmm. we've been seeing Dalinar go through a state of change. And maybe the, maybe the old Blackthorn would have been like this, but I do not mm-hmm. think today's Dalinar would be like that. No. And I'm also wondering because they just have the one diagram, but as time goes on and people make choices that the diagram didn't account for, it's just going to become this nebulous thing and I think people are going to be able to interpret it however they want and use it to their own advantage. Mm-hmm. So Moash feels badly about what he did. He should. Does that, does that bring him any closer to how you see Zeth, who feels badly about what he did? No. 
Can, because why? he clearly, Moash clearly had a choice. Seth, I'm going to say Seth didn't have a choice because, okay? I know how stupid that sounds. I know. I hear it myself. No. Seth and Moash are not foils. Don't go they're there. Not, they're not. Kaladin and Moash okay. are foils. That's different. Okay. Uh, I would like to bring up this book where Zeth, once he faces Kaladin down the first time mm-hmm. and he finds out he did have a choice, he mm-hmm. continues to choose wrong until Kaladin lets a storm kill him. He still You've feels bad about to... it. Yeah, but he's... Here's the thing. He just met Kaladin. Kaladin hasn't had a chance to teach <laughs> Zeth right and wrong. Okay. Moash has been hanging out with Kaladin uh-huh. for months uh-huh. now. And, and he clearly knows what he should have done. Now, now here's the thing. Um, when Shalon and Yasna were talking about ethics in the first book, um, mm-hmm. intent versus effect was brought up as something completely different. So mm-hmm. if you have good intentions, but you do a bad thing, mm-hmm. then that's still a bad thing. Moash had bad intentions, but Kaladin was able to magically stop the thing from happening. So technically, Moash hasn't achieved any of his bad goals. Now, he definitely betrayed that's Kaladin. True. He definitely hurt Kaladin. But I would, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would like to reiterate what's more. Moash has not killed anyone, asterisk, <laughs> yet, question mark. That we know of. That we know of. Moash hasn't killed anyone. He's betrayed his friend. He nearly killed his friend. If Kaladin hadn't magically healed himself, he would have died. Mm-hmm. But again, I don't think the life of a protagonist should be worth more than the 900 NPCs <laughs> already killed by someone else. So listen, I I want to get into this when we get into Zeth and Nalen. Zeth and Nalen, okay. because Nalen explains it way better than I've ever been able to explain it. But keep going, I hear you. Okay, when we get into Nalen, you have definitely disagreed with Nalen in the past, and I, I think you're just have. agreeing with him right now because <laughs> he, he's being he's, nice to he's Zeth. confirmation biasing your your blur boat. <laughs> Um, but instead, let's get into chapter Wait, 88. Wait, stop, oh, stop, okay, stop. Okay. I have to address something. Okay. And it will make me look very stupid, and I'm going to do You're it anyway. You're not stupid. Who is Blorbo? Oh, sorry. That's a Tumblr reference. Okay. Um, I'm on Tumblr, but I don't get it. Yeah, okay. So, Blorbo from my shows is mm-hmm. a Tumblr meme, and it refers to a post um, it's it's a slang term for a fictional character, and it, okay. it came from a post where someone's like, "Bitches will be like previous tags, OMG!" on the post I made, and I check their tags, and it's like Blorbo from my show, and it's it's saying that like, you may make a post that's very specifically about the Magnus Archives, and someone mm-hmm. will tag it as our flag means death or like you're making a (laughs) yeah uh there was a magnus archives post well first it was a not magnus archives post 
where someone said, okay, but what if the villain just wanted to take care of you, take you to a spa day, give you a nice facial? And then they replied like to themselves with, who the f*** is Nicola, <laughs> who is the evil clown <laughs> from the Magnus archives that puts lotion on John? So Your worst nightmare. Yeah. And so now the idea is that you use the phrase Blorbo from my show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it uh, happened. So this poster happened around the same time as a Star Wars post that says every time a new Star Wars movie or show is announced, all the fans are like, OMG, Gulp Shido is back. <laughs> so <laughs> there was like this perfect storm of Blorbo, Gulp Shido, and oh, there was one more stupid name. What was it? Scrimblow Bimblo. Uh, and it basically indicates that sometimes the names of characters from fandoms are absolutely incomprehensible to people who don't know who that is. Oh, yeah. And so I could go on someone's post who's never heard of... Larrick. <laughs> yeah. Someone who's never heard of Stormlight Archive and say, Moash, my beloved. And they're like, what the f***'s a Moash? <laughs> so to to sum up, Gulp Shido is... Basically, an obscure name from any fandom. Mm -hmm. Blorbo is specifically a character you're obsessed with that other people don't have context for. And poor little Meow Meow specifically applies to a character who's committed atrocities, but you love them like a baby girl. <laughs> okay. So, Moash, at this point, is my Blorbo, and Zeth, at this point, is your poor little Meow Meow. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And that's that's just how we relate to them. <laughs> and you know what? Maybe in later books, Zeth will redeem himself and move from poor little Meow Meow to Blorbo, and maybe my Blorbo will commit unspeakable horrors. <laughs> we'll never know until we rafo. Oh, also, I was watching. I was watching a clip of Brandon's podcast and reminded again that he says it rafo, and I don't like that because I think it needs two f's to say rafo. That's just me, though. <laughs> okay, because you know. So, are you going to change that when you become the TV no. runner and executive? <laughs> well, then, I know we joke about this all the time, but at no point in the show does anyone say rafo. Although, I think it would be a hilarious joke if that is one of Hoyd's names. <laughs> <laughs> so I know it's Raffo, and when I go to Comic-Con as, <laughs> as the showrunner. <laughs> did you see, okay, I don't know what convention is going on, but a group of people together did a, a big Our Flag Means Death cosplay, <gasps> and someone came as... The black screen and they turn around and raise their arms out because they have this huge sheet on this huge uh -huh. black sheet. And so they, they raise their arms out and printed on the sheet was like created by David Jenkins. That's like that's so what the sheet fun. said. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. Mm -hmm. Oh, when does season two happen? I hope season two doesn't happen until I can finish my storyboards. Hurry up. Is that selfish? <laughs> I'm working on it. Hey, everybody, I'm Zoom streaming about it tomorrow. And by Zoom, <laughs> I mean Twitch. 
<laughs> They're not going to get this until several months later. Maybe I'm a consistent Twitch streamer. You don't know. Maybe you are. That's not true, you guys. I'm deep in a hyperfixation, and this is not going to last. Uh, anyway, so currently Moash is a Blorbo. Zeth is a Meow Meow. Read me the epigraph for 88. One one seven three zero nine zero six zero five one one seven three zero nine zero eight zero one 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 seven three zero nine zero nine zero one 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 seven three zero nine one zero zero one 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 seven three zero nine one zero zero four one one seven three one zero zero one zero five one one seven three one zero zero two zero five one one seven three one zero zero four zero one one seven seven no one one seven three one zero zero six zero three one one seven three one zero zero eight zero four from the diagram north wall coda windowsill region paragraph two this appears to be a sequence of dates but their relevance is yet is as yet unknown so the thing that i did notice about this is it all takes place in 1173 mm -hmm. i will let you know Which what uh-huh these are the dates for the 10 high storms that happened in this book that preceded the coming of the Everstorm. Oh, very cool. So, like, one of these dates is when Kaladin and Shallan were in the chasms. Another one of these was, like, during Shallan and Adolin's date. Uh, so these was another are... one when Kaladin was out in the high storm, uh, strung up? Maybe. This is only, like, okay. 10 high storms. I'm sure I could cross-reference and find out when each of, when each of the dates are in. Mm-hmm. Um, Emily... Yes. I have a word of Brandon for you. That's I'm ready. actually give it important. To give it, give it, give it. You know how Dalinar bonded a shard blade that was from Talm? Yes. And he tricked Amaram with it? He tricked Amaram. Mm -hmm. I have to let you know, this is, this is a word of Brandon. And also, if we read the descriptions of the two swords from the end of book one and now, this is not the same sword that Talm showed up with. Oh, if okay. it's two different swords that are described. So at some point, someone else, from the point he showed up to the point where he got here, someone swapped out his sword for a different shard blade, and it was not wit. So that's the oh. word of Brandon. So okay. I want you to know that Tal's honor blade is currently unaccounted for. It's missing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Uh, there you go. Thought, I thought you should know. Thank you for telling me. I do want to know. Yeah, you deserve you deserve good things. So uh, everybody is moving into the tower. And so I want you to think of Gondor, but instead of being built into the wall, uh, mm -hmm. Eurythiru is just a cake that goes up for 10 layers high. Is this the cake-shaped tier? No. Oh. But no. Where is the cake tier? cake-shaped tear it's just that was so important it, listen that was me trying to indicate to you that the shattered plains were once a city and that was not a natural <gasps> how on earth was i supposed to get that it was supposed to be <laughs> it was supposed to be a setup to a later payoff that there are some <laughs> unnatural formed plateaus that would later, I would reveal them to be man-made, but you had such a stink about it that I just decided not to bring it up again, because you <laughs> are like, I can't believe this cake-shaped tear is the most important. I'm like, shut up, man. <laughs> you can 
have a cake shaped here naturally. How was I supposed to get a city out of that? You weren't supposed to get a city out of that. That was one clue. That was a breadcrumb. That was a dot drop. A moment of important information that I wanted you you. to hold on to. And so like later, when I had you stand back, you could see that everything hanging from the ceiling spelled out Titan. (laughs) You just burned me so bad by like being so flabbergasted that I couldn't figure out nail bond. How was I supposed to figure out what a nail bond was? You were supposed to figure it out by me explaining it to you. (laughs) I was going to have you guess and then I was going to tell you stuff. (laughs) So my lesson is don't make fun of Megan. No, your lesson is (laughs) I'm giving things to you in pieces. Don't just say like, oh, (laughs) Megan has given me a piece of rope. How was I supposed to deduce that was an entire elephant? (laughs) <laughs> I was going to give you the other pieces. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, anyway, this is fun. We have fun. Uh, so, so I, I, it's very hard to picture how huge Eurythiru is. Mm-hmm. And I want you to know that, like, the lower decks... There's so much open space that they can plant entire fields, acres and acres of crops. Oh, like, that's cool. This tower is bigger than a mountain. And nice. like the bottom two or three terraces have enough extra land on them for planting crops. This can be like an entire civilization. Yes. So I don't have a very good imagination. <laughs> so the tower, is that the... is. Is that in the center of the ten rings? The ten rings, do they surround that tower? No. How is this set up? Okay. Okay. Oh, that is such a good point. Emily, let's flip to your map. Oh, okay. Where? Uh, the beginning of the book, the very first map. Okay. Now, I will tell you that your theory will be marked on the map in Oathbringer. Or close to it, I think. Okay. Because I don't, I don't think they, they give us the exact... Okay. So I have the map of the world. Yep, that's it. That's it. That's that's what I want you to look at. Okay. So the most likely place for where your theory is, is mm-hmm. in the center of the world. Okay. And we'll have to look at our Oathbringer map when we get there to see if they mark it on there. But your theory is nowhere near the Shattered Plains. Right. Um, I want you to look at, you, you know where the Pure Lake is? Yes. Directly south of that, there's a bunch of these mountains. Mm-hmm. Eurythiru is like dead smack center of these mountains. In there somewhere. It's, okay. it's so hard to get to by foot, um, but it's in like kind of the center of the plains. And I realize that still doesn't explain what it looks like to me. I know it doesn't explain what it looks like. Sorry, you asked if it was surrounded by the Ten Rings. And this is me telling you that, oh, no, those Ten Rings that are at the Shattered Plains where the war camps are, those are not near Eurythiru. No, no I, oh. that's not what I asked. Sorry, I, I misunderstood what Ten Rings you mean. Uh, it is Ten Rings stacked up like a cake. And each ring takes you to a different place. No. Okay, I'm talking about the plateaus, the trans. Okay. Pads. okay. 
Okay. I can help you out. Sorry, there's too many. Brandon, there's too many rings involved with your theory. So, inside that little gate where Shalon was, Mm -hmm. there were like 10 things on the wall. Yes, 10 Fabrials. Yes. There were actually 11. There were 10 stations, and the 11th was Urethiru. Mm-hmm. And those are different, let's just say those are different fast travel points in the world. So if okay. she had moved the platform to one of the other things, instead of everyone mm-hmm. being transported to Urethiru, they would be transported to another Oath Gate. Spread right. across the whole world... There are mm-hmm. 10 other oath gates. That I get. Okay. Those are the rings. So you can you can teleport to any of the other oath gates. Okay. That's not what I'm asking. But those are the 10 Okay. I don't I don't I feel like I've explained three different sets of rings. Um I know. I'm so sorry. It's all right. It's all right. Ask again. Ask more specifically. I'll try and help. Okay, so maybe I misread it, but I felt like she she went in, she moved it to Hirothiru, and she's so sad that the army didn't come with them, and she's killed all these people. It's so sad. Uh-huh. And when they go outside, there there's the army on a on a circular platform. Uh huh. I thought there were ten of those platforms, and depending on where you come from, you land on one of them. Yes. There are 10 okay. platforms at Urethiru. They are not the giant, giant things, but those are like the 10 basically stations where you come in. So think of that part of Urethiru is a train yeah. station. And those uh-huh. are the, so like if you're coming in from the, they came in from the Shattered Plains platform, mm-hmm. which there is a lonely Shattered Plains platform, lonely in the Shattered Plains. And then mm-hmm. when they come to Urethiru, there's a set of 10 platforms that are all together in a group. So that's the 10 yes. rings you're talking about. And they yes. appeared on the Shattered Plains platform. Okay, yes. How does it fit in with the tower? Where is the tower located in relation to those 10 rings? Okay, so those 10 rings are just on one of the levels of the tower. So it's it's, <gasps> oh, it's a train station okay. that is located in the tower. So it's on the mountain. It's on the, it's the on tower the mountain. mountain. Your oh, theory okay. is a whole... Your theory was like if New York City was stacked up on top of itself in all of these rings. I was picturing like Saruman's tower with like mm-hmm. the platform surrounding it that way. Okay. But I get it now. Thank you for explaining yeah. that. I to want me. you instead to picture Gondor mm-hmm. with those layers. Mm-hmm. But instead there's 10 of those layers and it's about 10 times larger and taller than Gondor. Okay. And so these 10 platforms, as huge as they are, these fast travel platforms, this train station to Urethiru is small enough that it's parked on one of these layers. And it's, it's, Urethiru is- tens of thousands yeah. of people can fit on. Yes. Crazy. I love it. You would do well to go through book one and find the stuff from the actual book, The Way of Kings, because- mm-hmm. The king that Dalinar was reading the stories of, he talks about Urethiru. And he talks okay. about how he walked from Obama Bar to Urethiru, which was supposed to be considered an impossible distance. And people mm-hmm. in that book also comment about the 
the like taxes they used to have to pay to Yurithiru for right of travel. And so okay. I'm going to listen, I'm going to give you some dots. Historically, you could pay a not a tax. What's the word I'm looking for? It's like a it's tribute. You could pay a tribute to Yurithiru and use this fast travel technology. It's like a magic key for Disneyland. No. No. It's like if you got if you had a pass at Disneyland that could teleport you to Disney World. I'm talking like Disneyland California Adventure. <laughs> you can go in between the two of them. That's called a park hopper. <laughs> and it's different than a magic key. Okay. Obviously. I'm so, I'm so sorry. I know nothing. I should go to Disneyland more often with you. You had your chance. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Shalon is they're they're filling so like your theory is like huge and so everybody's trying to find rooms and where they're gonna stay and like this part of the tower will go do this and this part of the tower will do this. Are they not afraid they're gonna run into like giant spiders or something? Ooh, stay tuned. Oh no. Uh I don't Gross. know, Emily, there may be, there there could be stuff. Listen, I'm just going to tell you, there could like be it. stuff living in this tower. <laughs> I don't like it. But, you know, Zeth hung out here and he said it was pretty empty. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Shalon so has shown up. She finds a card. And it has her name on it. Her actual with name. With the symbol, her actual name with the symbol of Ghostbloods, who the Ghostbloods only knew her as Vale. But somehow they have found out Vale is Shallan. And so she realizes the ghost bloods are here. And she has her guards stay behind and she goes and she confronts Marais. Now remind me, you had thought at one point that Marais was the bastard son of the Azir, no. Azish oh. king? No, I'm but so you glad thought, you brought this up. that's not true. I thought okay. Graves might have been the bastard son of Gavilar. Got it. Oh, Okay. But I, I don't think that's true, and I don't have any proof of it. Okay. No, uh, Emily Marais is a world hopper. Oh, that's right. That's right. And one of Taravangian's assistants, there's a bit in the diagram that describes a traveler, and one of Taravangian's assistants believes it is Marais, and I'm pretty sure it's Hoed. <laughs> <laughs> Marais is saying, like, hey... We found out who you are. This is great. You're one of us. You're a ghost blood. And she's like, I am? And they're like, he's like, yeah. And it's a huge honor. And you should be really flattered. And she's like, you killed Yasna. Which, to be fair, I'm sure they did their best and they tried really hard. But that's just not what happened. We saw the body, Emily. We saw a body. Her body. <laughs> this is the hill I will die on. What is it? Eight books from now when Yasna never shows back up and she's still gone and I'll be like, she's just studying somewhere. <laughs> that meme of the lady with the walker. It's like, Yasna's coming back any day now. And I'm like, sure, Emily, let's get you to bed. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Uh... Yeah. So the thing is, we, I mean, I don't know why I was surprised by this, but Marais doesn't feel bad yeah. at all about 
Yasna being, you know, about their attempt to kill Yasna. And he's like, she in turn had assassinated a number of our members. Yeah. I'm like, of course she did. Of course she did. Because we find out about all the assassination agreements and contracts at the beginning of, because Yasna's point of view at the, the night of Gavilar's murder. And so he's saying like, I should have guessed what your involvement was, that you were more special than you let on. And isn't it great that you're going to be a member of the Ghostbloods because it says, I feel a fool for not seeing it earlier. Your family has a long history of involvement in these events. How long, Megan, has the diagram been around? Six years. Ish. Terabangian did it shortly after Gavilar's death. So from what we find out later in this chapter where Shalon remembers what happens, and I'll kind of be vague until we get there, but someone did try to kill Shalon early in her life, saying that she was one of them. So it kind of sounded like that person might have been involved with the Ghostbloods, who in turn are involved. Are they involved with the diagram? Uh, Ghostbloods may have some members that are in charge of the diagram, but mm-hmm. ghost bloods and the sons of honor both predate the diagram. Predate it. Okay. Um, this part was really great because Shalon's like, well, I won't help you. And he's like, well, I have your brothers. And she is just like, oh, I will come after you if you, you know, do that. Because he says, you owe us uh, one soul caster that is broken. And he says, and you are one. And he tells her, which I love that. I love that she is a broken soul caster. I love that he says, I'm going to send your brothers to you as my gift to you. Like, you know, he's just kind of, he's just kind of, this is, see, this is a smart way to do it. I, I think I, it would have been boring had he been like, I have your brothers and you must do what I say. But he's just like, I'm giving them to you. This is me being nice. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Mm. Oh, and, 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 uh, he's, 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 he drops so much information. But at one point he says, like, you seem to think that your newfound place among the radiance makes you unfit for our numbers. But I see it differently, as does my Bapsk. Which he's he's a risen he he's an evil he's risen he's a risen evil <laughs> risen <laughs> oh and i love okay oh this guy i would sit and listen to him talk just the way that he has he puts everything out he's like let shallan stay with the radiance that's where she belongs but let Vale come and be a ghost blood like Oh, like, like, it's just that easy to split your personality and do two different things. But I'm sure to him, it is easy. Yeah. And she, and he's probably been observing her that she might have been doing this for a while. That, sorry, splitting her personalities? Sorry, the way that he's, the way that he's worded it. Oh, okay. Um, I wonder how long he's been watching her because... I didn't mean splitting personality. I just meant like she has locked away her emotions. Uh-huh. And she's a different person when she starts remembering than when she refuses to remember. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's playing up on that. He's like, I feel like he knows that she ca- she she would be capable of this. Okay. 
that she could be of two minds. Or more. <laughs> Shalon's got a lot of different roles and obligations to fulfill. Yeah. And and this will be really interesting because when Shalon becomes Vale, she does become much more self-assured and confident. And I don't know. I, I like that this guy is like playing that up. There's one line I want to point out. Mm-hmm. Uh, why did your father join us? Why did your brother seek out the Skybreakers? Mm-hmm. You have heard the term Skybreaker before. I'm sure I have. Skybreaker is a type of radiant. Was he, was her brother trying to become a squire? The Skybreakers are the radiants who follow Nalen. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's fine. Bad news bears. I'm sure it's fine. (laughs) Uh, So we find out that the ghost, I mean, we knew that the ghost bloods wanted to get to Eurythiru. They've been trying for years. So what's in Eurythiru that they want? Is it just the, I say just, that's stupid. Is it the transformation, the transformation, the transportation pads? You know what? Yeah, that's literally the only thing in this gigantic abandoned magical city. I that's I'm why sorry, I'm, I'm asking sorry, I'm you. Sorry. You're so mean to me. Emily, there's I'm reading this because you asked me to read this. <laughs> You're reading this because I made you. <laughs> I, I I held you down and poured mud on your head until you're like, Hi I'll do it. Uh Emily, yes, I will Megan. let you know Oathbringer is all about exploring your ethereal. Yes. So, so everybody lives in this town now, and and this tower. There's so much more to it than what there there first appears. And I will let you know, Oathbringer was a weird read for me because mm-hmm. I had read books one and two so many times that it's mm-hmm. like when you get the new book in a series and you're like. My Blorbos are doing new things, but it's, it's, it's new things. I don't know if I like this. (laughs) And a lot of stuff, a lot of setup I'd missed in the first two books gets like fulfilled in Oathbringer. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's weird that this is showing up. This is never, there's only ever been one kind of magic in the world before. (laughs) What's happening? So I would like to hope. That I've prepared you for Oathbringer and that you will enjoy it a lot more on your first reading than I did. That's that's a good way of putting it because um, the way I prefer to read books mm-hmm. is I prefer to read entire series uh-huh. at once. Reading a book and then realizing you've got to wait a year or two for the next one to come out is is rough. I mean, it's doable. I mean, we did it for... <laughs> Harry Potter, do you remember, we did it for. Do you remember the time that happened to me with Raven Boys? We were on a family vacation, <laughs> and I thought the Raven Boys was a standalone book, and I, like, ditched Ruined. the family on vacation to curl up on a couch and speed read because I'm like, I'll just finish this book, and then it'll be fine. And then I get to the end, and it was a cliffhanger, and I was like, do you have the next book? And you're like, it's coming out in two years, and I... I think that is the most second most upset I've ever been with you in our entire lives. Oh no! The first is the when you sold one? 
my Harry oh, Potter no. book out from under me. <laughs> There was a lot of misunderstanding. It wasn't on purpose. Guess what? Intent and effect are not always connected. <laughs> uh, oh, I've got to. I got to finish my thought really, really fast. So, I, when it comes to fan fiction, I really only like reading stuff that's already finished because too many times I learned this the hard way. Too many times. You've got a great story going and the author's like, I update every week or I update blah, blah, blah. And then life obviously gets in the way. I like reading through the emotion. I can't mm -hmm. read one chapter, wait three weeks, and then try and bring up that emotion again and continue on. Like there was, there's one, so there's this one, you guys are just getting a story now. There's this one uh, fanfic author and I found one of their stories it was like 140 chapters long and it was finished and I found it on a Saturday and I read it all day long like at one point Megan came downstairs and tried to talk to me and I was like stop you can't talk to me she's like can I play video games I'm like yeah sure I ended up having to get up and leave because the video game kept pulling me out of the <laughs> story and so I started this this thing at like 10 in the morning and I finished it at like 10 at night and it was one of the greatest experiences of my life because I got to read the entire thing at once and it was amazing and so I follow this this author and they're currently working on like five different stories and they are very good about updating so like every Thursday we get a chapter from this story every other Sunday we get a chapter from this story once a month we get a chapter from this story I can't do it I absolutely can't do it I mean I support them on Patreon because I read all their works and they're amazing <laughs> but I I have to like put that away for like several months at a time so I can come back and read a chunk at a time and so Meg, I get I get exactly what you're saying when you're you know if you've read the first the first three books of the Thief series and you're waiting for the fourth book to come out and it comes out and you're like wait a second this doesn't have Jen in it yeah yeah <laughs> and and it's it's a thing where like books one and two had been so familiar to me mm -hmm. that it's just weird reading your characters do new things and it's like when you have someone you care about like family members like I you know I'd feel this with our cousins a lot that we wouldn't see them for a year or two and when you would mm -hmm. see each other again there's always like that strange getting to know you again at the beginning mm -hmm. of the visit when we haven't seen them for a while and so yeah I yeah. I think your experience reading these books not I think your experience reading these books are so vastly different from mine because yeah. The, the online fandom has changed since, you know, these books first started coming out. We're way more interconnected. It's way easier to find stuff. I'm friends with really cool fan artists. Uh, also, you are, you get to read literally all of the books at a steady pace. Because listeners, we were figuring stuff out today. And we're going to finish Rhythm of War just when Knights of Wind and Truth comes out. Mm-hmm. What? 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 Very excited. This is yeah. the way to do it. Listen, this is the way to do it. Anyway, this is the way. Uh, handsome Mansom shows up. Handsome Mansom shows up with a rugged, I punched a lot of people today look on his face, which all of a sudden I was just like, oh, oh, I like that. 
he's like, you're amazing. You saved everything. Everyone. I was so worried. I have been worried. Listen, Siobhan and Adolin, my great loves. Uh-huh. And, and I was so worried that all of a sudden... Brandon was going to try and break them up for no reason at the end of this book. That was a fear of mine because I'm just like, oh, you've got to have a cliffhanger to lead you into the next book. He did a different cliffhanger, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, she like honestly kisses him. She's not putting on a show because like with Adolin, she can truly be herself. And I'm worried that Adolin's going to feel like he can't be herself because he doesn't think he can tell her that he murdered somebody. Um, yes. What I love about this scene is she's like, you know, he gingerly gives her a kiss on the cheek and he hugs her kind of soft. And she's like, stop treating me like I'm delicate. Stop treating me like I'm glass. And she grabs him and he's like, ow, 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 ow. And the reason, (laughs) and and I think this is, sorry, this is like a microcosm into Shalon right here is she Mm -hmm. is reading the wrong intention on Adolin. Because she is got this all-consuming fear because of her childhood trauma and mm-hmm. it's it was hard for her to like realize in this moment what Adolin was actually doing because her own fear was in the way and so I yeah. love that she's like I'm not glass don't be delicate with me and she grabs him and he's like my ribs it's <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not kissing you because I don't want to kiss you it's I physically am finding this painful mm-hmm. Anyway, as he as he passes as sorry, I was gonna say as he passes out, I meant as he leaves the room, <laughs> he does mention that Pattern chose this room for Shalon. Mm-hmm. I was very angry at Pattern. <gasps> Why? Because listen, I have strong feelings about people trying to manipulate or create emotion in other people Uh i don't like watching movies that are designed to make me cry i would rather be surprised by something and cry by something naturally etc and i what first of all i was laughing about the time that i went to see my sister's keeper and cried so hard i almost (laughs) threw up and called you on the phone crying so hard and so that made me laugh because I definitely, I definitely dig the emotional release of seeing sad things on purpose. And two, mm-hmm. that time you got surprised by a character death in a book I recommended to you and you oh, cried on my shoulder my for 20 minutes. That's I what did. I was, that's what I was laughing about. I'm so sorry. Yeah. And it would have been a completely different experience had you handed me the book and said, this character dies, be prepared for it. Yeah. And so I like my version better. And so I was... Listen, a lot of this is, like, from my own life experience, and I have, like, a lot of bias towards this, but I was so angry at Pattern for making Shalon remember. I was very angry that it didn't happen naturally and she didn't choose to do it. Like, she kind of does. She kind of does choose to do it, but it really felt like he was just, like, pulling her and forcing her into this decision, and it really upset me. Okay. That is absolutely fair that you feel this way. Alternately therapists don't exist on Roshar. Mm -hmm. I do not see any other way where Shalon would have ever been able to face this. I agree with you. I do agree with you. Like she has so much going on her life that she's like, oh, I will focus on this other stuff. There will Mm -hmm. always be something else to focus on. And from a, from a meta narrative, um, Mm -hmm. this is Shalon's book. 
We needed mm-hmm. to have this scene at the end. We needed to get this truth from Shalon. Mm-hmm. And I agree that Pattern pulled it out pretty rough. But um, I don't know how else he could have done it. I don't know either, but I'm still mad about it. Okay. Because uh, like in a therapy session, uh-huh. if you have a good therapist, they will let you kind of lead or you know decide what you want to talk about and like sometimes they know when to push or when to pull away but this was just like sledgehammer to the face sort of a sort of a way of doing it and i i'm gonna say i think this was done in a moment of desperation for pattern because he's Mm. been trying to be soft about it through the whole book and Mm -hmm. shallan just shuts him out every other time he's tried so this didn't come out of nowhere from him either he's from the beginning of this book when she was on the deck of the boat and he was Mm -hmm. like remember 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 so this is also like the culmination of pattern's goal in this whole book is to get shallan to face her past Mm -hmm. and uh so so while yes it does feel very brusque and unkind that he just emotionally pulls this out of her Mm -hmm. from his point of view he needs her he doesn't grow unless she grows right yeah he doesn't move forward unless she moves forward and while this was emotionally really hurtful pattern has tried everything else and this was his last ditch attempt megan I completely agree with you. I'm just still mad about it. And that's like, fair. I really, I believe that there really was no other way. Mm-hmm. Like, he could have kept trying for the next two books and being like, hey, 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 this is important. And Shalon's been doing this her entire life. There's no reason for her to change her ways if he just keeps suggesting that she do it at her own pace. Because her own pace is never. Mm-hmm. And also, like our discussion with Kaladin and Zeth... Main mm-hmm. characters protect, like, our main characters do not have to be perfect beings all the time. And, yeah. and Brandon's second law of magic, flaws are more interesting than perfections. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. yeah, Pattern does a, a cruel thing here. And it may not be for Shalon's good. It may only be for Pattern's own good. Yeah. This adds a huge layer of complexity, though, because... This whole book, all we've been seeing is Shalon's father being terribly abusive of taking this out on his whole family, but yet still showing Shalon, quote unquote, mercy to the point that uh, we find out now at the end, Shalon was the one who killed her mother mm-hmm. with her. Oh, what? Oh, sorry. I wanted to do a little lead into that. So finish what you said, and then I'm going to put in a little thing. Okay, uh, we do find out Shalon had killed her mother, and Shalon's father let everyone believe he had done it in a fit of jealous rage. Like, he really did protect his daughter, because there was no way he could let anyone find out his daughter had a shard blade. Yeah. So, we're gonna, we're gonna really talk through this longer now. So, the reason why Pattern chose this specific room is there's a square on the wall where a picture would have hung. And it is exactly like Shalon, that room in Shalon's house back home. And it triggers a memory. And it says here that Shalon, her mind started to fuzz. So she's about to be 
literally triggered by this flashback, she's going to disassociate and pattern stops her and makes her actually remember. And Mm -hmm. this conversation, she starts light weaving against her will. She starts manifesting this room around her and she asks pattern, can't I just keep pretending? They're in the flashback, and she says, Mother's soul is inside. Pattern corrects her. What is really in there? He is in there. The shard blade is in there. Yeah. In the lockbox. Yeah. So what does he specifically say that it is? Oh, it was not her soul. It was the thing that took her soul. Yeah. And he's still being soft here. Like, Like, he's not just being like... Oh, and then you killed her! Like, he's not doing that. Yep. Uh, so her mother's friend lay on the floor, red carpet once white. Mm-hmm. And Emily, what color, what color is, of dress is her mom wearing? A beautiful dress of blue and gold. Okay, that's what it says in my book, too. Remember earlier it had the body in a different dress? I do. I think that just got fixed in in the last copy edit from Mm -hmm. hardback to uh, paperback. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Red hair spilled out in a pattern around her head. And hey, Shalon's mom tried to kill her first. Yeah, yeah. Shouting that she's one of them. And she brought a guy with her to basically, like, help like the guy is holding the dad you know holding shallan's father down so that the mom can come and kill her and she says mother took the knife and came for shallan and then dot 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 and then a sword in shallan's hand like she doesn't remember everything in graphic detail but she does Mm -hmm. remember what happened yep and she says the secret destroyed her father it destroyed the family so like Oh, if you, when just, you go, 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 sorry. When you go back and read the book, every time Shalon is like, he didn't do it. He didn't do it. Mm-hmm. He didn't do it. Shalon was the one that did it. Yeah. And it does, it puts a lot of this into like, a, again, a different perspective. And that's, to me personally, this is the mark of a good book, good writing. I love finding out things that put everything in different uh, context. And so... Like, I really will go back and enjoy rereading and seeing this. But just thinking about that might be why Shalon tries so hard with her brothers. Like, it seemed like she was just almost killing herself to make them happy. Um, And they were so grateful to her by the end that she did this to save the family. And I wonder what will happen when they find out it was Shalon who did this to their mom. I hate you, she whispered, staring into her mother's dead eyes. I know, Pattern buzzed softly. Eventually, you will kill me, and you will have your revenge. I don't want revenge. I want my family. So, is Pattern gonna die? Well, I mean, at this point, I'm really angry at him, and... I wouldn't be too sad, but I will be sad. Don't look at me like that. I will be sad. I mean, they keep saying this will happen. I mean, it nearly happened to Syl. Like, I don't, I don't know. I almost, okay, here's what I almost want is I love stories where like 
humans prove their worth. Like, uh-huh. I mean, a lot of times, I think we've talked about this before, where, like, Ultron comes to, like, kill everyone and start over or whatever. But, like, there are always going to be good people. And I love it when people are surprised by that. And it's sad that we're surprised by that. But I almost hope that throughout this thing that killing your spren is not necessary to become a radiant. It doesn't seem like that's that's what it is, but I'm really sad that everyone assumes, oh, now that you're a radiant, your next step is to kill your spren. Uh-huh. But it would make sense as if you break any of your oaths, which Kaladin did without almost nary a second thought. Yeah. You know, like, so, like, if you speak the oaths, you must live the oaths. So. Yeah. To be fair, Sill wants oaths. Pattern wants something different. Mm-hmm. So, like, different kinds of Radiant have to do different things. But I, I can picture it now in, like, Pattern's last will and testament. He's like, do not blame Shalon. <laughs> we knew this was coming. Yeah. Mm, testament. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Well, anyway, uh, let's go hang out with Amaram for a second. Oh, wait. I have a question, and this might be stupid. Okay. When you get killed with a shard blade, your eyes burn out. Correct. Were the shard blades... Okay, if we're going along with the theory that the listeners are void bringers, Uh are they specifically created to burn out the red eyes? Oh, that's cool. I love that idea. Thank you. I love that idea. Thank you. All right. Hey, let's let's hang out with Amaram for a second. Stupid Amaram. I okay. I will say I liked this section because it's showing kind of the chaos of what's going on in the war camps, where like Mm -hmm. everything used to be very orderly, very uh, you know run well. Well, I mean, most of them are run well, not all of them. But now it's just kind of like ants in an ant hill. Everyone's just like running back and forth, trying to get everything packed up. And, and who knows what's going on? And in the confusion, like Amaram's able to kind of walk around. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, who is he writing a letter to? Ristares, which I was like, I know this name. How do I know this name? And Meg, you explained to me that the night of Gavilar's murder, he named Ristares as or Restorace, I don't know how you say it, as one of the potential murderers of who hired uh, yeah. Zeth. Yep, that's all we know, but uh, Restorace heads up the Sons of Honor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and we only know the name. We don't really know anyone else who is a member right. of the Sons of Honor. Okay. Right. So, Amaram's goal has come to pass. Mm-hmm. He wanted the Voidbringers to come back. Mm-hmm. So that the heralds could come back. Yeah. Yeah, he specifically wants the heralds to come back and for the church to regain control. Mm-hmm. Yes, that surprised me because their whole culture is based on what happened with the hierocracy and that the church does not have power anymore. Yeah, because the church is built up around the heralds and things. But he says, and- okay. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm so sorry. No, nope, you go. You go. Uh, it was happening. It was really happening. The Sons of Honor had at long last achieved their goal. Gavilar would be proud. 
Was Gavilar a member of the Sons of Honor? Was the king of the whole country secretly trying to bring this back? Did he not want to be king anymore? Did he want the church to be in charge? Like, what's happening? I'm going to rape Ooh, Okay. Because... Oh, listen, we're going to find out more, right? <laughs> we obviously got to find out more. Right. But now we know that Taravangian and Gavilar had all these sort of talks. Gavilar saw these visions. And apparently what Gavilar decided to do with these visions, what he heard from Unite Them, is trigger a desolation on purpose to bring the heralds. So mm -hmm. Amaram has been trying... And the Sons of Honor have been trying to bring forth the Voidbringers on purpose. Yeah. They've been trying to trigger a desolation on purpose because when the desolation starts, the Heralds come back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so he he goes and rescues Talenalat. Well, he tries to. He tries to. And, you know, okay, this part, this part just about, just about slayed me because... This poor Harold has been in hell for, what, 5,000 plus years. He's not all there. And uh, why must they keep you in such darkness, Amram said. This is not fit for the lowliest of men, let alone one such as yourself. I will have words with Dalinar about the way the insane are. And he trails off. No, he would not. Dalinar thought him a murderer. Because you are a murderer! How on earth? Can you not apply that same logic to Zephyr? <laughs> <laughs> because we're going to talk about it with Naylin. But, okay, listen. I'm not excusing. I'm not saying, well, because Seth didn't want to do the murders, they don't count. That's not what I'm saying. I feel mm -hmm. bad for him personally, the way he was raised, that made yeah. him do yep. this stuff. Oh, Emily. Yes. There's stuff about Zeth's backstory that, listeners, <laughs> I'm a longtime Zeth disliker. <laughs> you get that, right? Some stuff got read to me, and I'm like, how dare this undo 10 years of everything I felt <laughs> because of my own complex background growing up religious and feeling different. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Oh. So, Emily, it's not going to be right away. It's going to be a long time from now. But my views on Seth change, but not for a very long time. So, like how, okay, listeners, I don't know if you've noticed this. I've really been trying to keep Emily in the present of what's currently happening in the books. So, for the first two books, I'm like, Moash is fine and there's nothing wrong, actually. And then once we've gotten to this point, I'm like, okay, now Moash is openly garbage and we can hate him. <laughs> At this point, Zeth killed 600 people and I think people should be more upset about that than they are. Sorry, I keep saying 600, 900. We don't actually have an accurate body count of how many people he murdered. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> and none of the reasons given to me are sufficient excuse. So there. That's your problem. Also, Dalinar kills a bunch of people. <laughs> he and does. we'll talk about that. We'll don't worry. We'll talk about that. Um, don't kill people. <laughs> <laughs> if you take nothing else away from our podcast... <laughs> But murder that. is wrong <laughs> and <laughs> but <laughs> no 
So anyways, I was I was unless the voice of the author literally comes to you and says, don't kill this Blorbo. (laughs) Anyway, that line about like Dalinar thought him a murderer, like Amaram, what? (sighs) I understand Amaram thinks that he did that for the greater good, like the, the, the shard blade in the hands of a lowly bridgeman will do way less good than if i have i totally get that but it just made me laugh where he's like i'm never gonna get to talk to delinar again and i think i'm really gonna miss him amaram's delusional amaram oh, is death levels of delusional yeah yeah oh my gosh emily hmm. are you saying that amaram's religious upbringing has been a factor on his murdering no the way that zeth's has no amaram's just straight up crazy okay you shouldn't paint all religious people as crazy i i i don't think his religion (laughs) has anything to do with it i mean it does it does okay listen it does a little bit (laughs) he literally wants to return the dominance of the church this is all about his religion okay (laughs) it's different somehow but it is You don't have all the facts, which are, I love him. (laughs) Okay, listen, I love all the parallels that are going on. And yes, yes, his religion does play into this. But I think a part of it has to do with we were so close to what happened. Like you were talking about, Zeth killed all these people. We don't even know how many. But like for us, Amaram's biggest betrayal is seeing what happened through Kaladin's eyes and feeling what happened through Kaladin's eyes. And so I... I just hate Amaram. Why couldn't he have been the one that died? Why couldn't we have got justice that way? I'm actually kind of mad uh-huh. of what, what Adolin did. Not 100% mad, but like <laughs> 63% mad. So, justice. What, what is justice? justice? <laughs> <laughs> so, all I... All I have to say here is, that's me in the corner, <laughs> that's me in the spotlight, using my religion, <laughs> trying to kill all these dudes, <laughs> and I don't know if I can prove it, why I could kill so much, <laughs> I haven't killed enough. <laughs> oh. Um, I was telling Megan, I'm trying not to face cast anyone because uh, I like uh-huh. I like kind of imagining my own faces. And if I if I cast like specific actors in a book role, it kind of not ruins it for me, but it just makes it a different experience for me. But when I was reading about um, Talenalat's, uh Talenalat's description, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, Idris Elba, 100%. This is who Talenala is. So, Megan, when you run the TV it's show. It's so funny because <laughs> when I saw Thor 2, mm-hmm. 3, Ragnarok, I'm like, that's just Tom. Yeah. That's Talenala. <laughs> like, that's him. With the long hair yeah. and the sword and the being in exile. And I'm like, that's him. That's him, Emily. <laughs> Something to point out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Amaram was surprised at Talenalat's dark skin uh-huh. because he had somewhat foolishly expected all of the heralds would look Alethi. Mm-hmm. Well, Incorrect. You, you pointed that out that like we read what we're familiar with. And so like honest mm-hmm. to goodness, mm-hmm. my first read through, I'm just like, they're all white. 
Like, yeah. that's just what Until came it was pointed into my out. Because mm-hmm. that's just, you make people, if, if you are used to your entertainment being you dominant catered. Sorry, mm-hmm. that was not a very well constructed sentence. It was understandable, you are, though. Yeah, if you are used to, oh, yeah, everybody looks like me in media, mm-hmm. then when you read a book, you're like, obviously, this pattern continues. But. Yeah, yeah. And not, and sometimes it's not a big deal to me, but other times I'm like, no, I have read this woman as uh, dark hair for six books, and all of a sudden you're telling me she's blonde? Absolutely not. The work and the oh. glory. Thank you very much. Who's blonde? Is Lydia, does she have dark hair? <laughs> no, she's blonde. Okay, good. I was right. <laughs> <laughs> you scared me for a second. I thought Lydia was going to be a brunette. Okay, is Nathan a brunette? I don't know. It's been a long I time. Because I always picture Nathan looking like our cousin Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, here's something else about Tom's appearance. He has dark eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Tom says, the hair, sorry, Amram says the Herald's dark eyes were, of course, some kind of disguise because he cannot fathom that a Herald would be a dark eyed man. Oh, a different race, certainly. But with dark eyes. Oh, no, that's got to be a trick. Yes. Well, I I think this is in book one, but they talk about it might be Dalinar. You're going to have to correct me. But talking about how in the way of Kings, it talks about the light eyes serving the dark eyes. And I wonder if all the heralds have dark eyes and the <gasps> radiance become light-eyed to signify we serve these people. That would be I my have, guess. I have really great news <gasps> and I, I think you're going to love it. I'm ready. You know how the, the end papers in this book were of Shalon and the, the Shattered Plains? Mm-hmm. For books three and four... Brandon commissioned, uh, and Isaac commissioned a series of 10 beautiful oil paintings from 10 different artists, each depicting one of the heralds. That's amazing. And they're hanging in the Cosmere house. They're absolutely gorgeous. And I can tell you that, so this isn't, this isn't related to the story as much. They're just, these are the four that happens to be in Oathbringer. Mm Mm-hmm. And so in Oathbringer, the four heralds that we will see is Yezrian, Vev, Ishar, and Shalash, I think. Nice. nice. Yeah. Speaking of heralds, uh-huh. I, for whatever reason, thought, like, when they go to hell or whatever, that, okay. The hell rolls. The he- yeah. <laughs> that... They must die, so they get, like, a better, uh, I guess they get, like, their true form back or whatever, for whatever reason, because they're not on Roshar. But, like, okay, I'm going to explain this so it makes sense a little bit. So, as Amaram and uh, Talenilat are standing there, Talenilat moves with inhuman speed to catch a dart, a poison dart. He catches two poison darts out of the air. And for whatever reason, I thought, like, maybe to disguise themselves they like became human but it seems like Detroit become human (laughs) but it seems like he still has some ability that is you know beyond what a human is capable of they are not in disguise when they come here when they die they 
Now, I don't know if they physically get transported there or just like their soul gets transported there. Mm -hmm. But when they come back, remember, Tom came back soaking wet, even Mm -hmm. though it wasn't raining. Yeah. Their whole physical form gets resurrected. Okay. Okay. Cool. So, but I don't know what part of them gets sent to hell. We haven't talked about that in these, in the books up to this point in Words of Radiance. Okay. Uh, So anyway, hey, Emily, do you remember who has a poison blow dart earlier in the book? It's one of Marais's people. Yeah. Marais specifically has one. He blows a poison dart next to Shallan's face. So it is Marais. I think it's just somebody else in the ghost blood. Oh, okay. He lent it out. Maybe. Like shard blades can get lent out. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. It's a shard. It's a shard blow dart. <laughs> um, Shooting little spread darts. <laughs> uh, Amaram realizes that the ghost bloods are trying to kill him. And uh, Telenolat has like caught the darts. The, the dart blower runs off. And are you stretching or raising your hand? I'm raising my hand okay, so I'll, I don't forget. I'll, so finish your thing. This is just so I can remember. And then Talenolet just sits down and Amram has to get him up off the bed so they can leave. Like, it's it's kind of anticlimactic, but it's like, oh no, my life is in danger. This moment of lucidity is very important. Okay. And I'm giving you a not specifically stated in the book. Okay. But something that did not happen in this room gave Talm... This moment of lucidity. Oh, okay. Something else happened in this in the book, and it's something we've already read in the book. And when it happened, it woke Talm up for just a second. Okay. Listeners, I'm so sorry. Some of you are like, you give Emily too much spoilers. And some of you are like, you need to explain more. <laughs> I want you guys to know how intricately I know my sister's brain and how it works. <laughs> and this is the perfect amount of stuff that she should know. Thank you. <laughs> uh, now we got to talk about Zeth. Let's talk about Zeth. Yeah. He's back, resurrected by a Fabriel in one version and a search binding in another version. Take your pick. I guess. Whichever one you want. But, uh, Emily, who woke him up? It is the justice guy that we've been following around. And it's revealed that this is one of the heralds. This is Naylin. And my jaw dropped. I was like, I assumed, obviously incorrectly, that the heralds would all be like, righteous warriors or whatever like concerned uh-huh. with doing good but like Nayland is the herald of justice duh of course he would be obsessed with justice but and he's just Nayland, it's only your brand of justice justice <laughs> means many things to many people okay well emily clearly Nayland follows the laws of justice, the laws of the land, wherever he is. When we saw him in Lyft's interlude, he very specifically was following the laws of justice in Azir. But she hadn't done anything. And when he found out she was a radiant, he started going berserk on her. Yeah. Does he and... not want the radiance to come back? Is he what a, Is he trying to keep the desolations from coming is he a son of honor or ghost blood or no, whatever sorry 
Sun of Honor are trying to bring the desolations back. They are trying to bring the radiance back. And the diagram is trying to keep it from happening. Sort of. Sorry, am I asking too many questions? No, it's all right. Diagram is trying to put all the pieces together. Teravangian is trying to be king of the world. Mm -hmm. They're trying to stop the... Okay, yeah. Diagram is trying to stop Radiance from coming back. Yeah. Uh, Sons of Honor are trying to bring the Radiance forward. We're not entirely sure what the Ghost Blood's end goal is. And Nalen is trying to stop the Radiance from coming back. And and I'm just I'm just gonna tell you right now, we're gonna see more of Nalen in the Edge Dancer novella. Okay. So we're gonna find out more about what is up with Nalen. Okay. What is his deal? But Helleran did seek out. Nalen and the Skybreakers, and that's who Helleran was working for, okay. trying to kill Amaram. Mm-hmm. And Amaram thought that it was the Ghost Bloods, and it wasn't. Okay. Zeth is so upset, so upset that he's alive. And yeah. I completely get Honestly, that. Honestly, some days, same. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, we're fine, okay? It's just... <laughs> it's just sometimes. Oh, he went through all this effort to get stabbed through the throat slash dropped in a high storm, depending <laughs> on which book you read. <laughs> and so, I mean, it's he should not have survived. That's kind of the thing. And this kind of feels, I'm going to say icky to me, but like... That Nalen clearly went against Zeth's wishes and brought him back. Well, to be fair, <laughs> I don't think Nalen knew it was against <laughs> Zeth's wishes. And he does say. He okay, does. Okay, so, so Nalen, who Zeth calls Nin, because that's the Shin word for Nalen's herald name, mm-hmm. is unbecoming of one who would study beneath me. I don't want to study, Zeth said, curling up on the stone. I want to be dead. And Nail is like, seriously? Because if that's if that's really what you want, I will kill you. <laughs> but it's like Zeth the opposite says, of Santa Claus. <laughs> no, he brings you what you wish. <laughs> so anyway, Zeth really thinks it over. Mm-hmm. And Emily, what does Zeth decide? Okay, okay. So this is the part. Listen, I'm going to have probably some unpopular opinions. I love it. Here. Bring it on. Um, so he says, I was not wrong. He thought I was never truthless. No, Zeth whispered, the Voidbringers have returned. I was right. And my people, they were wrong. Okay. He's figuring it out. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I love, uh-huh. I love seeing people take revenge. I love it. Oh, <laughs> And I'm afraid I'm going to love too much what Zeth does. So you're picturing Zeth going John Wick on Shinovar? Yes. But you know what? There's not going to be much of it left because the Everstorm is going to desolate it. And Zeth is going to be left wanting. And who is it going to all turn to? Kaladin. Because he started this whole thing. And Zeth is going to go after Kaladin. But somehow they have to be friends. Stay tuned, listeners. Kaladin and Zeth buddy road trip to shinovar <laughs> buddy cop road trip movie one of them's tall one of them's short <laughs> guess which one who's even both of them have talking swords <laughs> <laughs> i'm so excited about 
about this. So, okay. Okay, so Nin slash Nail slash Nailin here. Yep. He says the thing that I feel in my heart about Zeth. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. He says... Uh-huh. You were banished by petty men with no vision? (laughs) I watched you destroy yourself in the name of order. Watched you obey your personal code when others would have fled or crumbled. I watched you keep your word with perfection. This is a thing lost to most people. It is the only genuine beauty in the world. Like, that, to me, I love... Now, I would agree, except, (laughs) Emily, (laughs) what did keeping his word mean? At all personal cost, he lost himself in it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He lost himself doing what? Doing a murder. One murder? (laughs) A single murder? I'm not excusing him. I'm not saying what he did was wrong. Right, I'm saying yes. what he did was really interesting. <laughs> now listen, I know murder is wrong, but consider this. It's interesting. It's, so, it's so, okay, because I feel a lot of times we do not get, I mean, we get characters who are like, committed to what they do but they're usually able to be swayed one way or the other the idea that this character never swayed is just fascinating to me like his inner mm, what's what i'm looking for his inner discipline Mm -hmm. just like the absolute belief he had in his people in what they did like he was drinking the Kool-Aid, he was doing everything possible. Like, okay, some of my favorite books to read right now are like stories of like women escaping like polygamist cults and things like that. Like I've been reading the Carolyn Jessup story, you know, I love reading about the Elizabeth Smart. There's like there's there's so many like memoirs and stuff. And just watching these different circumstances of like people a hundred percent believing what they are told and then the discovery that it it isn't that way it doesn't have to be that way like zeth is kind of going through that right now of just like there is more the idea okay again i know he killed people i get it i'm not excusing that i will never excuse that that was bad and wrong and i am torn about it (laughs) Yeah, so so that's the thing that's torn is now listen. Um this is a work personal, of fiction. <laughs> yeah, the personal code of honor that Zeth follows. It is exemplary that he kept to his word, but the thing that just infuriates me is that the inherent worth of a human life. I'm so sorry everyone. This is all I've been talking about for like the last 10 episodes. That's okay. Uh and that I'm all for your personal rights and your personal beliefs unless you use them to infringe upon the lives and beliefs of others. Mm-hmm. So the idea that Zeth holds to a code is admirable in the face of emotional torment, in the face of great challenge and hardship. But the thing is, what he did with that personal code of conduct was reprehensible and absolutely wrong 
And he felt bad about it. And he keeps doing it anyway. And like, I know that he's a protagonist and we see into his heart and soul and we like understand, right? We understand the emotion behind what he's done. But what he's done is killed hundreds of people. And, I'm not and clearly arguing with you about I that. I know. I know. And and this isn't about you specifically, Emily. This is about the last seven years since this book came out. Mm-hmm. I find it unjust that there are different levels of forgiveness afforded to different characters in the book. <laughs> Um, shoot, I should have brought this up earlier. I was actually talking to Lauren, our sister, one of our other sisters, and uh-huh. uh, kind of talking about the Moash versus Zeth thing. Because she's, she's, I think she and her husband have both read Oathbringer. I think they're way ahead of me. They are partially into Oathbringer. Got it. Then they had a baby. <laughs> it paused. <laughs> that kind of, yeah. So my thing with, with Moash, with people thinking he's the worst person on earth, like, I... I have a lot of, I don't want to say empathy, maybe sympathy is a better word, but I'm just going to let you know where I stand on the Moash versus mm-hmm. Seth thing. I like both of them. I think they're both mm-hmm. fascinating characters. And I totally understand why some people would see uh, Moash's betrayal as the ultimate betrayal. And I get that. But the thing for me is that he feels conflicted about it. And to me, that's going to be way more interesting than Kaladin and I are mortal enemies forever. You know, I give me some good conflict. Give me some. Give me some of that. It's it's real good. You love betrayal. I love betrayal. Congratulations, you got a betrayal. I got a betrayal. Just just like you always wanted. Thank you. This deep, this deep friendship bond that has been permanently severed? Question mark. We'll have to see what everyone gets up to in Oathbringer. Well, here's the thing. Like, Kaladin was allowed to come to his, to a different conclusion. I feel it will be incredibly unfair if Moash is not also allowed to come to a different conclusion. You know how I talk about them being foils all the time? He is. Next book is the foil book. The foil book! (laughs) Oathbringer is the same character, same circumstance, different choices book. And Mm -hmm. I can't wait i can't wait it's gonna be so much fun it will be well i can wait because we have to do a live read in the discord of the epilogue (laughs) anyway back to zeth and nail uh zeth has been invited to join the skybreakers and search for his redemption Mm -hmm. so is this okay I feel like I should be able to put this together, and I apologize to everyone who's like, it's so obvious. Thank you for putting up with me. Um, It's not obvious if you've had to take more than a year to read the book. That's true. So he's been invited to join the Skybreakers, I'm assuming as a squire, because he gets another quote-unquote shard blade, but no spren. Does he ever um, get his own spread? <laughs> I'm going to have to rafo that okay. quite obviously. <laughs> but uh Emily, tell me uh tell me about the shard plate he receives. <gasps> it's amazing. It's one of a kind. This shard blade has everything. Oh, its own listen. personality, its own history, its own uh its own uh agenda when remember when i was first reading these books Mm -hmm. before words of radiance had come out 
my friend group, a couple of them kind of poo-pooed on Warbreaker being like, oh, it's about princesses, mm-hmm. uh, standalone, not important, uh... And then this book came out, and Nightblood showed up at the end of this book, and I was like, Vindication! <laughs> Which is a gun. <laughs> oh, right. Um, so, yes, he has been given... Uh, oh, Seth swore, Zeth swore he could see a small trail of black smoke coming off the metal, like stormlight, only dark. Hello, a cheerful voice said in his mind. Would you like to destroy some evil today? <laughs> like, this and, is, and... like, badgy. <laughs> this... <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Can I teach you a lesson? <laughs> um, earlier, Zeth mentions that my people have the other honor blades and have kept them safe for millennia. If I am to bring judgment to them, I will face enemy with shards and with power. So he is apparently planning to go back to Shinovar to bring destruction. Mm-hmm. Which, At least upon those who wronged him. Which I don't blame him. Like, I don't blame him in the least. Ugh. And I don't want to get into the, but what if, but what if, but what if. <sighs> it, this is going to be a, a fun but difficult portion of the book. Because if they were raised with the same beliefs he was raised on. <laughs> then him coming back to destroy everyone for something they truly believed in is just going to be really sad. <laughs> anyway, how about you read me the epigraph for chapter 89? Wait, I'm not we'll sure. We'll see Zeth in the next book. I'm not sure I'm done talking about Zeth. Oh, okay, talk. I mean, I'm maybe I am. I don't know. Um, Let's see. Oh. Okay, okay. Zeth and Nightblood. Are learning how to be skybreakers. What mm-hmm. can a skybreaker do? Because, like, if, if my immediate thought, I'm wondering if they are one, if they are next to the wind runners in the in the big circle where, like, they share one of the powers of each other. I will let you know they do not. <laughs> oh, okay. Because I was thinking, like, it would be awesome if Zeth could still fly. Like, that's just oh, kind wait. of like his trademark, you know. But like skybreakers. Hey, I one hundred percent take it back. He the nail is literally next to Yezrian on the on the <laughs> ring. <laughs> but but here's the other thing: like if you destroy the sky, all you have left is the ground, aka the stone. So maybe it's more geology based than aerial what, based. I'm looking up what the skybreaker powers are. Oh, you're gonna look it up? Are you gonna tell me what it is? No, I thought not. Why would I spoil what Zeth gets to learn? I don't know. <laughs> you told me Moash is still alive in book four. I know that was a mistake. <laughs> that was a mistake. Mistake. All right. I will let you know that they share one of the surges with the wind runners. Okay. So okay. there you go. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. Thank you. Um, I, before we leave, the really only last thing I wanted to say about Zeth is this idea of him being reborn. Like that is a, that is a trope that is so heavily prevalent in 
I mean, tons of literature, movies, entertainment, religion, that sort of thing. And I love the idea that Zeth died and has been resurrected a new person with the understanding that his previous understanding was flawed. And he really is a new person with new ideas and new roads before him that he can walk. And I am so excited to see the new and improved Zeth. You have a look on your face. Uh, no, no, there's no face. There was a face. Tell, okay, how easy is this going to be for Zeth just to be like, you know what? This is my life's purpose now. I'm going to say actually easy. The idea, okay, here's, here's my reasoning behind it. The idea is that he finished with something that he put 100% of his concentration into. And that's all gone. So he has the force of his 100% concentration that needs to go somewhere. And I imagine him being the kind of person that's just going to pour that into his next task. Like he doesn't have to share computer computing brain power with any other with any other rules or any other expectations it's this guy resurrected me he gave me a purpose this is my purpose let's go but i'm really excited for when zeth is going to decide what his purpose in life is and not have to listen to what anybody says and i really hope that he doesn't decide it's murder (laughs) (laughs) me too babe Listen, Zeth, you would have so many friends and followers if you could just, like, chill for a second, get some likes on Instagram, do some cute poses. Uh, Emily is now advocating for a Zeth pinup calendar, so <laughs> fan artists <laughs> like to smack that bald head, no. reblog to smack that bald head. <laughs> no. Is he bald bald or does he shave his head? Rafo. Okay. <laughs> because I would have to Rafo. <laughs> Don't remember. This will be interesting. I want to say he's just bald from stress. Okay. <laughs> and and again, if I'm getting too far into the weeds, you can always pull me back. But mm-hmm. Nightblood, I've just always kind of imagined him as like a regular knight's sword, like a very cliche, long, straight blade. I mean, because we know, have cross hilt, yeah, yeah. And is that what it what he, it is? Yes, but bigger. But than bigger. You're thinking. Okay, because I'm only thinking letter opener because that's what came in one of the boxes from Brandon's Brandon's have Kickstarter. I gotten, have I gotten my letter opener yet? We talked about it on Warbreaker. I don't know if we you... talked about it. I don't think I've gotten it though. I don't oh, think I've gotten my Nalthus box. You want to hear something hilarious? Yeah. Um, So dad was driving me back home from the airport after I visited you. And I was talking about how much fun it was to open the Brandon Sanderson box with you to see what was inside of it. And he goes, oh, yeah, another one came the day after you left. No! (laughs) My trust book. That's my trust book. I'm never going to get to read it. Can you claim it for me while you're at Sunday dinner so it doesn't get... It doesn't get lost. Yes, I will 100% do that. So, 
Um, because the thing I bring up with Nightblood, uh, Nightblood is I'm, I'm super confident that Kaladin and Zeth will have yet another showdown. Like they seem to be, or a road trip, like we talked about. Oh, that's right. <laughs> we were joking around. Buddy, maybe they won't buddy fight. Cop. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll just travel the land together and be best friends and braid Kaladin's hair and. <laughs> Draw flowers and on Zeth's bald head. That would be fine because then Syl and Nightblood could have a fascinating, a fascinating discussion on like what is evil and what is wrong. Because we've mentioned before, like Kaladin will ask her, "What is right? Is this right? Is this honorable?" And she is so quick to say yes or no. But then when he presses with the minutia of it. Sometimes she doesn't know. And I would just love to see what kind of conversations Syl and Nightblood would have. Um, I want to hear Syl have a trolley trolley problem (laughs) discussion with someone. Um, So, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, again, I've had several big things come true that I'm hashtag blessed about, like Zeth getting Nightblood. And Adolin and Shalon getting together. And so I don't want to make any more big predictions just because I think maybe I used up all of my all of my witchy powers. But your witch juice. But yeah, it would be it I think a conversation between uh Sil and Nightblood would be fascinating. Okay. Rayfo. Now can we move on to chapter eighty nine? Yes, thank you. Thank you for <laughs> indulging me. I really appreciate it. Give me that epigraph, babe. Okay, here we go. Um, There has to be an answer. What is the answer? Stop the Parshendi. One of them, yes, they are the missing piece. Push for the Alethi to destroy them outright. Before this one obtains their power, it will form a bridge. So I read that very quickly because this has no punctuation and there's no spaces and everything is like squished together. So what part of the diagram is it from floorboard 17 paragraph two, every second letter starting with the second. And I don't understand what that means. It's so he was writing in pretty much gibberish Mm -hmm. and they have pulled out every second letter. Oh, got it. From that floorboard and translated it here. Hey, Emily. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, did we see one of the Parshendi obtain this power and form a bridge? No. Uh, hey, how about Esh and I get in storm form? That was a new power. I thought you meant a bridge bridge, like a bridgeman bridge, like a bridge a for bridge. bridge. Yes. Oh, no, we didn't see that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Um... So, so metaphorical bridge. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the thing. Again, we've talked about with the diagram, the more time goes on, the more different paths people can take. And so when they say stop the Parshendi, well, that didn't happen. Um, Push for the Alethi to destroy them outright before this one obtains their power. It will form a bridge. Oh, it says push for the Alethi to destroy them outright. Okay. Are they... Is someone instigating the thrill in the Alethi to make them go out and fight and slaughter these people wholesale? Okay. Half of that was right. Mm -hmm. And that's something we're going to really talk about in the next book is what's up with the thrill. Okay. 
Okay, I'm because excited. because during this last battle, Adolin could not get the thrill going. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he felt so I'm gonna horrible s- about what he was doing. I'm gonna sparkle rifle that for Oathbringer okay. listeners. I'm so sorry. I feel like I keep just spilling more and more Oathbringer <laughs> secrets as so this recording goes it. on because we're now in like hour five of recording, and I also. <laughs> Want to just start Oathbringer, but we have to re- we have to do our epilogue live read on the Discord. Mm-hmm. We gotta do our Edge Dancer episode with Ted, and we gotta do our multi special guest Emperor Soul special episode. We're just never gonna get the chance to read Oathbringer. <laughs> it's, it's never sitting, gonna happen. Sitting right there on my shelf, I'm half tempted to just pick it up and read the whole thing and fake it for the rest of the podcast. Don't do it. <laughs> I won't. I Don't would never. Do it. Listeners, this is I literally our most popular podcast. <laughs> the listeners have expectations. <laughs> we will keep to the status quo. No, no, whoa, no. whoa, whoa, whoa. All right. Dalinar's having a dream. He's having a good dream. It is, uh, it's a place that is familiar. It's his childhood home. And, oh, I mean, I'm sure all of us have had that dream where, like, you go back to a place where you're happy or you just feel like you belong. And Dalinar is feeling all the emotions there. He's like, Mom was really proud of these curtains. Gavilar is still alive. Everything. uh, Let's see. Dalinar crossed the shattered room, feeling the fuzzy joy of familiarity of things being as they should be. And like he's walking them through. um, Let's see. He'd left his wooden swords out. He had a collection, each carved like a shard blade. He was too old for those now, of course, but he still liked having them as a collection. Warm light bathed him. A deep, enveloping, piercing warmth. A warmth that soaked down deep through his skin into his very self. He stared at that light and was not blinded. The source was distant, but he knew it. Knew it well. And we find out later that he assumes this is a vision that the Stormfather has sent him. And the Stormfather's like, I did not do that. But Dalinar knows this is more than it's than just a dream. It was only just a dream. (laughs) And I don't know. I don't know what this means. I don't know what. Prophesy witch. I think this is the all father. The true all father. Who is not dead. Oh, isn't that swell? (laughs) (laughs) And if not the all father, then someone of that caliber or power. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, because all we're hearing about is odium and all these terrible things. We've got the void bringers. We've got the listeners who now have brought the Everstorm. Like we are only hearing about the bad guys and how terrible it is. And I think the good guys need a little boost. A little like, hey, there is good to fight for. Okay. Okay. I'm going to, we're going to do a little connect the dots here. A okay. little Wider Cosmere connect the dots here. Okay. Uh, here on Roshar, a big fantastical being with a proper noun for a name is dead. What is that name? Honor. So we have honor and odium. Mm-hmm. 
Can you think back to Mistborn, two very powerful mystical beings that have proper names, proper nouns as names? As something. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, okay, I'm gonna make you sound smart. You're gonna say ruin and preservation. Um, it was ruin. Uh Uh-huh. And preservation yes okay are they part of the 16 shards oh Emily, you know what? <laughs> i'm gonna give it to you okay. yes, yes! <laughs> i don't so know there what are... that is but thank you that's okay so so now you know four so keep an eye out for capitalized proper noun they're not exactly emotions, but like is they're it, like named it, after different aspects. Is lift one? No, no, <laughs> that is a uh, that is a verb, okay. not a noun. I'm sorry. I did go to English. That is school. so funny, though. Um, <laughs> honor, odium, ruin, preservation, lift. <laughs> she could liven things up a bit. I feel. Yep. Uh, and then you have, not on purpose, you've spoken the name of another one at some point during this book two podcast. Well, I'm sure I have. If you stick a thousand monkeys in a room with typewriters, <laughs> they're going to eventually write the works of William Shakespeare. That's not true. <laughs> and you all know this. We do not have access to infinite time and monkeys. <laughs> That needs to be the episode of the podcast. Infinite time and monkeys. Yes. That's amazing. Well, I'll tell you what, by the time our listeners get to the end of this episode, it's going to feel like infinite time. <laughs> uh, well, to to contrast this feeling of light and warmth and happiness, what's going on with Adeline? <gasps> I'm so excited to talk about this. So, Adeline is doing his part they're exploring your theory which megan helped me understand earlier it is mm-hmm. the size of a mountain it's not just like saruman's tower it is like yeah vast. like adolin has a line adolin has a line here that they could explore this place for months and not find every door mm-hmm. and not open every door um it's huge meg you should play dragon age inquisition because okay. There is, I'm not going to tell you what, but there is something similar to this, maybe. Okay. A new home that people go explore. I think you should play okay. it. Okay. But uh, what happens is, um, he is, he's he's volunteered for, uh, for this duty. Uh, he needs something Scouting to do. Scouting mission. Scouting mission. It needs, he, uh... He needed something to do, but he says, unfortunately, it also gives him time to think. But it's not being super helpful to him either. And he's been, uh, he's been kind of wandering around, and he's separated from his scouting group, and realizes he's run into Sadius. Um, okay, okay, Sadius is there with some of his soldiers and his wife and her scribes. 
I missed this the first time through I read it. I thought he just ran into Sadius by himself. This, I think, is so much worse. Because remember, yeah. Eli and Sadius are the like evil power couple that I was actually starting to get behind. Witnesses. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I'm I'm wondering, uh, so Adolin's watching this go on, and then he's kind of looking around, and he realizes there's a painting on the wall. Uh, he recognized a few from children's stories, like the enormous mink-like creature with the mane of hair that burst out around and behind its head. What was it called again? Is that a lion? I think that's a lion. It's a lion. Adolin has always given me lion vibes. Okay. So, there you go. I... I'm going to disagree. Dalinar gives me lion vibes and Adolin gives me dog vibes, but sometimes like scary wolf vibes. Oh, okay. See, I, I feel like, I know this sounds stupid, but I see Dalinar as more of a tiger than a lion. And I know there's not a huge difference between these two giant cat predators, but for some reason that's very important in my mind. Listen, there's an emotional difference. (laughs) Hey Emily. Yes, Megan. Uh, this is not for this is not for recording. Okay. Um, you know what I've been kicking around in my head thinking about doing what? Uh, the wolf attack on the police precinct from Fool Moon. <gasps> it's so scary. Do it because I'm hopefully going to be a horror director <laughs> soon. Be, uh, so I better start practicing horror. A horror kick. Horror. Um. Adolin is fed up with Sadius because all of a sudden Sadius is now obeying Dalinar. Like, now, dude, you started now. And Meg, you've brought this up a few times, which I think uh, I'm really glad you did. But a lot of times I feel like we focus so much on Sadius betrayed Dalinar and Dalinar only. And I know that's not how it happened, but that's how it feels. And you have reminded me several times that he also betrayed Adolin. Like, Adolin was there and experienced this betrayal. He was the one that was like, Dad, he's leaving. I told you. I told you. I told you he would. And I don't know. I, okay, so brief overview of this part. Adolin kills Sadius. Now, why do we have to be brief about this? No, why can't because we treasure. Oh, okay. <laughs> I want to be brief Sorry. about it, so so it doesn't feel like we're dancing around it. I want people to know okay. what that's what happened, and then we're going to talk about it. But yes, I okay. do. I, yes, let us also enjoy this. Except, I'm a little. I can't believe I'm saying this. I am a teensy, tiny bit sad. Sadius is dead because. He was such a worthy opponent. Yeah. Like, it didn't feel cheap, and it didn't feel like a fake-out. It was so surprising, but it just felt like, oh, that happened. Oh, oh my gosh. Like, it was it was just cool to see Brandon surprise us like that again. And, and with much more gruesome and intimate violence than we typically get in these yeah. books. And, okay, like... You and I were this. Oh, go ahead. Oh, this reminds me of that thing in the first John Wick movie where he's trying to stab the guy and then he has <gasps> yes. to hit the knife like a hammer yes. to get it in. Get it in. Um, get it in. You and I had kind of talked about this, and we'll we'll lead up to it. But I, I want to make sure we talk about the way that Adolin took out his problem. 
You don't think it was the Alethi way. I don't. Okay, I want to know your reasoning behind that. Because, like, the Alethi are about... It's about the glory of the combat. Mm -hmm. Like, the Alethi way would be killing Sadius in front of the cheering crowd in the dueling arena, as was meant to be. Yeah. And this spur-of-the-moment dark hallway, no witnesses, that doesn't feel Alethi to me. Okay. But you had a good point. Yeah. Remind me of my good point. Your good point was that solving a problem with violence is the Alethi way. (laughs) That does sound amazing. This does sound like me, actually. (laughs) Um, But it's, it's, yeah, so. The scene is. Oh, go ahead. Nope, you go. Yeah, because I feel like the Alethi just like literally hit their problems head on. But, okay, maybe I'll talk myself into a circle here. You have people like Sadius and Eli and Yasna and Yasna's assassin friend who are, like, moving chess pieces around the board, you know? Adolin just took out a piece. He just snatched a piece right off the board. And what that's going to do is have a ripple effect and cause a lot more problems, I'm anticipating, in the future. But... He has kept himself held back the whole book where all uh-huh. he has wanted to do is kill Sadius. And I yeah. hate saying, there's a magical wizard who's put a whammy on him. And that's a, oh, here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that something that Esh and I had infected Adolin. Adolin. I don't think okay. that like, I don't think like the evil spren came into Adolin or whatever, but I, I'm worried maybe that something like that happened that he's acting in a way that it's not honorable it's basically stabbing okay it's stabbing a dude in the back except it's stabbing a dude in the face um but at the same time yeah in the face in watch (laughs) in in a year's time adolin would have been fighting sadius anyway Mm. and and adolin just bumped up I mean, if everything went according to plan and, you know. Yeah, I'm like, everyone was pretty sure Sadius was going to find a legal way out of this duel mm-hmm. within the year. Yeah. But, like, here's the thing. Adolin has stuck to the plan, technically. Uh-huh. Technically, he's done this with the king's blessing. If we really stretch it and really stretch and reach for that, if that makes sense. I just, I, there's no legal way. There's no legal way to spin this. No, there's, like, I'm really trying here, but yeah, yeah. Um, because here's the thing. He doesn't just suddenly snap. He he comes to an understanding, which, I mean, you've got to remember Adolin, world's greatest detective. He can put two and two together and find the hidden meaning in everything. Because, let's see... Why Adolin asked, you know, stepping up to him, why are you like this? You know, it doesn't have to be this way. And he says, this this line of Sadius says, it does. Your father will never trust me again, Adolin. And you know it. I will take this from him. This city, these discoveries, it's just a setback. And that is what causes Adolin to snap. And here is why I would argue it is the Alethi way, because he is 
defending his family. If Sadius can, is allowed and continue to let live, it will hurt Adolin's family. And in yeah. turn, the entire kingdom. And so here is where I am going to put forth Kaladin and Adolin are foils in no. this scene, in this sense, because Adolin cuts out the damaged tissue. No, Emily, Kaladin's whole arc this book was discovering that was the wrong way to think about things. A foil can make a different decision than no, his alternate. Okay. <laughs> I love you, and I see how hard you are trying. You are not using the term foil correctly. It's, it's spelled S-A-U-X-I-L. <laughs> I would accept in this situation that they are, there are some parallels between them. That the theme Kaladin is struggling with, Adolin is also struggling with, but not enough of their stories intertwined for them to be considered foils. Not yet. IMO. I would say Dalinar and Sadius are foils, having no, gone through... Well... No, they are. You're right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Anyway, the reason why I say this isn't the Alethi way... I mean, this may be the warrior's way, or... The, you know, the the culture of violence way. Mm -hmm. But the Alethi way of life is about games and it's about propriety and it's about the rules. Mm -hmm. It's about playing by the rules, which is why Sadius didn't feel any fear cornering Adolin in a dark hallway because they are both playing by the societal rules, mm -hmm. the societal niceties where, yeah, you can leave your best friend and 8,000 men to die on the battlefield because when I get back, you're going to be too polite and passive-aggressive to say anything about it. That is true. May I put forward that the Alethiest of the Alethi, Sadius, uses assassins and probably kills people in dark alleyways as part of the game. Yes, because he uses the assassin as a chess piece. He doesn't get... Okay, he doesn't get his own hands dirty. I, I want to say, I'm not sure I've said this before. I 100% agree with Adolin and I think he did the right thing. Mm -hmm. You know, as much as I go about the inherent value of a human life, <laughs> Sadius was literally talking about in this discussion how he would do it all over again mm -hmm. and he would cause more havoc and he would do more harm. Mm -hmm. And while Adolin is kind of like struggling under the burden of I'm not... I'm nobody right now. Mm -hmm. I don't have powers. I've been wrong about so much stuff. And Sadius really just picked the worst possible time to bother yeah. Adolin. Yeah. Adolin has had Adolin. a day of it. He has had yeah. a year of it. He has. And he's, he's <laughs> been punched in the face a lot recently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, I will. I will. Love... Oh, go ahead. Nope, you go first. As I say, I will say this. Um, when they're they're kind of wrestling, where it says the two of them fell in a jumble, twisting, rolling, this wasn't the calculated wrestling. intensity of the dueling grounds or even the methodical butchery on of the battlefield. And so, yeah, I could totally see where that would back up. This isn't the true Alethi way. Like, they're just basically scrabbling in the dirt like peasants. Like, 
the suffering that Sadius goes through, the emotional anguish. He realizes what's happening. So this wasn't like sniped from across the room. He's utterly shocked. He loses to Adolin in the physical tussle and he whimpers, like basically begs for his life mm-hmm. here at the end. Yeah. As Adolin says, my father thinks I'm a better man than he is. Unfortunately for you, he's wrong. Yeah. Like, I love people being <laughs> underestimated. I think I've said this before, but I love it when people underestimate and realize too late that someone has bested them. That, to me, is one of just the most satisfying turns a story can make. Satisfying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I would like to point out, I think my excellent Foley work of uh, Sadius's eye popping went unappreciated, so I'm going to do it again. Okay, I'm ready. Dis- That's the noise that Adolin's uh, dagger makes when it pops into Sadius's eye, like Dis- a berry, Dis- a ripe berry. <laughs> and then not only that, not only does he stab him, he wiggles the knife he around did. after it's in there to make sure. <laughs> I know it's like they're not dead until we see a body and Adolin's like, I'm going to make absolutely sure. Yeah. I mean, what a way. What What a a way to go. And here's the thing. He finally, he finally can rest, quote unquote, and, and be relieved that Sadius is dead when his shard blade appears, because that means the bearer is dead. And can you just imagine what the story would have been like if Sadius had made a miraculous recovery. Right? Like, bleh, I would I have mean, hated that. Okay, so this happened to me on Scandal recently. <laughs> is they're like, the bad guy of the whole season is this guy who was the bad guy of last season. And I was like, I could have sworn he died. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it's like, surprised. I bet you thought you'd seen the last of me. Uh, and then Adolin just shoves Oathbringer in a potted plant. Yeah, well, he, he Adolin, like, stands up, realizes, he doesn't, because he doesn't want to get blood on his clothing, um, even though there's blood on his cuffs. And he's kind of like, oh, my gosh, like... He, he, it happened so fast. I think it even took Adolin by surprise. Like whatever he did just happened. It wasn't like, it wasn't him being like, okay, if I time this just right and push him and take him by surprise, then I can probably get the upper hand. It's just like, he just went full attack mode. It's like what my cats do all the time. (laughs) They'll just be like chilling in the hallway together. Mm -hmm. And then Olivia will just go. <laughs> um, but like he's he's starting to think a little more clearly at this point, and he, yeah, he ditched the blade out of window, dropping it down into one of the planter-like outcroppings. It might be safe there. Um, does he? Just I will leave say Sadius's body there. Yes, yes, he just leaves the body in the hallway. Oh. Uh, I will say I misread this my first time through. Uh huh. I thought Adolin dropped it off the side of Urethiru. Oh. And I thought Oathbringer just like tumbled into the valley below never to be seen again. Because my, my first read through, I was reading it very, very fast. I actually thought he had shoved Sadius's body out the window and off a cliff. 
He just, he leaves the body. He leaves the body. He scrapes away the chalk marks he had on the wall, indicating that he had been this way. He cuts off his own cuffs. Yep. To get rid of that. Um, maybe similar to the way that Ada, uh, Kaladin's sleeve Kaladin's cut sleeve off. gets cut off? <laughs> I was literally thinking that! We're foils! I'm We're just kidding. Foils. That's not how it works. We're sisters. <laughs> yeah. Which is even worse! <laughs> Where we grew up in very similar situations but made different choices. I'm kidding. That's funny. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Here's the thing. Like, because my first initial thought is like, no, not sweet, beautiful, perfect, golden retriever Adolin. He can't be a murderer. He, you. Sorry. Yeah. That's but rough, buddy. That's rough, buddy. Um, but as I'm thinking, I'm just like, well... I hope I haven't said this on the podcast. If I do, I apologize. We have been recording this singular episode for a very long time now. Shalon has killed people. Adolin's now killed people. Now they're on and a much... And she's so well adjusted about it. <laughs> I was going to say, now they... <sighs> now they are on a more even footing. I mean, she's still a radiant... But she's a murder radiant, and he's a murder duelist prince boy. Um, okay. Do you know what? I, I love where you're going with this. Uh-huh. Um, this feels, but we've, we've both remarked how this feels very un-Adolin. Yes. Because he is a soldier. He is a duelist. But pinning a man to the ground and slowly stabbing him through the eye is very emotionally different. Yes. And not only that, but Adolin even mentions that like something inside of him snaps when he does this. This wasn't like you said, this wasn't thought out. This wasn't voluntary. So, um, please keep an eye out as to how Adolin's going to feel about this in the next book. Okay. I would think he would be worried it would happen again, like he might lose control, like we have a Jekyll and Hyde on our, oh, on our hands. Oh, that this exact murder would happen again. Just somebody else in your theory turns up stabbed through the eyes and Adolin was like, uh, twas I. <laughs> um, but I can't believe he left his body in the tunnels for the dude's wife to find. Right! She oh. is going to raise the earth. Raise Eurythero to the ground. I mean, Sadius doesn't have an heir. No. How does how does that work? Does can women inherit? Does it just no. go to one of the high princes? No, it does not. Uh, I don't know, but we're probably gonna have a fight. <laughs> so at least he doesn't have a secret child. Sadius, to my knowledge, does not have a secret child that they intended to put on the throne. So like. I don't know if he has a... He and Eli have had no children. Mm -hmm. He could have bastards, illegitimate kids, but he and Eli do not have any children. Okay. So I can only imagine... Here's what I would imagine would happen next. They... The alarm is raised. Okay, either... Okay, I know this might be unfair. Either Eli keeps it a secret so she can do her own her own detective in and get her own weekend at bernie's <laughs> no I, maybe she's just like i don't know but like to do her own revenge herself or the alarm is raised i mean you 
there's a body in the tunnels. Maybe they think that something is else is living in Urethiru that got Sadius. Okay. And they have okay. to be way more careful now. So, there is something living in the tower. Mm-hmm. Murdering people. Mm-hmm. Is there something in the tower murdering people, or are we just going to think scorpion. that? <laughs> scorpion! <laughs> the scorpion tail stung him right in the eye! <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I would think, even though they're like... I mean, the city looks fairly well-preserved. They haven't found any sign of anyone else living there. I cannot imagine this entire place is empty. Like, I just, I refuse to believe yeah. that. So I absolutely think they're going to blame whoever they find because an Alethi wouldn't sneak around and kill somebody. It couldn't be one of theirs. Okay, okay. We've all just moved to this new city. Mm-hmm. And someone bursts into the room saying, Hi, Lord Dalinar, there's been a murder. Who investigates? How do we react? What does justice look like in Eurythiru? We have to bring in Burr and Hamilton to try the first murder. Well, in they, their have, new... they have to catch the murderer. <laughs> they have to catch the murderer first. <laughs> Who gets put in charge of the investigation? Who is going Adolin. to? Adolin gets put in charge of the investigation because he got put in charge of, of trying to figure out who was going to murder him. <laughs> Because he's so good at being a detective. He has knives to. don't kill people. We are all immune to knives and it's a miracle. <laughs> he he has to investigate his own crime. Okay. Well, tell me more about what that would look like. Poor Adolin. I can't. Okay. I'm going to say I can't imagine Adolin framing anybody else. He frames Eli. <laughs> 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 okay yeah yeah and so i i actually think for a while he, he's gonna go along with it but i okay. think he's gonna tell his dad okay and uh like sorry i'm just like asking you to write oathbringer by yourself <laughs> but how will dalinar how would dalinar react to his son killing his oldest friend oh he'd be so conflicted there's so many layers to this like you uh -huh. said, okay, I finally, okay, it just takes me forever. I finally understand why Dalinar didn't make a bigger fuss when he comes back from the Shattered Plains after being betrayed by Sadius because he is playing the game and being passive aggressive to his friend's face. I don't think this was an outcome he ever would have thought. I don't think he, I mean, like assassinations are always a risk. Ooh, that's such a good question, Megan. I... I mean, I'm assuming his first, his first instinct, oh, his first instinct would be to protect his son, a la when Elokar gets protected after he puts the silversmiths in jail and lets them die. The light eyes are going to get away with Ooh. it. Be and we would, we're more okay with this because we know Adolin and we know Sadius is a terrible, terrible person. Um, okay, so you've you've given me um, hypothetical one. Mm -hmm. Adolin investigates the murder. Mm -hmm. I would like to hypothetical two. What if uh, Shalon and Pattern investigate the murder? 
Ooh. I, hmm. I don't think they could figure out who it was. Because. I mean. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. So the facts of the case are these. Sadius uh, is dead in the hallway. Sadius is dead in the hallway. Uh, we have a set of bloody cuffs that could be found. We have a shard blade dropped into a planter. We have. Well, Adolin's not going to where... leave that just lying around. He would obviously take his cuffs with him and burn them the first opportunity he got, and then sneak back to get Oath. I don't know what he's going to do with Oathbringer. Like, All right. Hy- hypothetical three. Okay. Kaladin and Sill investigate the murder. Kaladin Captain could Kaladin. figure it out. He'd figure it Kal- out. <laughs> Would Kaladin turn Adolin in? Oh. Oh. Okay, here's what the thing. What would be the honorable thing to do? Here's, here's the thing. Okay, this might be just me talking, but one of Kaladin's oaths is I will protect those who cannot protect themselves. I feel like... Adolin killing Sadius is Adolin's version of protecting those who cannot protect themselves. Okay. Like, Sadius's, Sadius has so much power that any decision he makes has this huge ripple effect. Uh-huh. And I think Kaladin could get around, I say get around his, his oaths, but I feel like Kaladin could consider that fulfilling his oaths. But then we're just we're just saying murder is okay, which is not what you and I stand for. But Sadius's murder is okay. <laughs> murder is wrong, asterisk, except for when it happens to Sadius. Murder is wrong, but. <laughs> <laughs> so that's I love the thing. Like that's where that's where a line is drawn for me because y'all have are sick of me harping on about zeth killing indiscriminately Mm -hmm. hundreds of people Mm -hmm. but now that someone who i think deserves it goes down i'm like do you know what okay so emily who am i to decide the worth of a man's life there you go well i'll tell you who a well-informed reader (laughs) who knows these aren't real people (laughs) and knows that each of them is a symbol that brandon has worked into his stuff so you have all the people that zeth has killed and you uh-huh. condense everything, all the bad uh-huh. things they've ever done in their lives. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Listen to me. Listen to me. If I have I to. Think, I think Kaladin killing this one person will affect Adeline. him. Just like Adeline. Zeth is realizing he didn't have to kill all those people. Adolin did not have to kill Sadius. Except he kind of did, but he didn't have to. But he kind of did have to, you know what I mean? And so somebody had to. Somebody had to. And well, because so, at the end of the last book, you were upset that Dalinar just let Sadius go. Okay, I wanted Sadius to. Mm, well, okay, you know how Amaram? I was like, this is the worst thing that could happen to him is being exposed, and everyone knows what uh-huh. a liar he is. Somehow, I wanted the Alethi justice system to punish Sadius, which we kind of got because the Alethi just murder each other a lot. So You know what? I don't think they do, actually. What about all the assassins they hire? Okay, okay. So just Yasna and Eli hire all the assassins. Oh, just them. 
No one yep. else. No one else can go and assassinate Wit. No one else can, you know. Uh, it's it's legal to kill the Wit. That's true. But like, like the Alethi are a very t- open tempers kind of people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this 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 feels unalethi to me to to murder quietly like this. Mm-hmm. So maybe whatever motivated Adolin to do it is not a lethe. Maybe. Maybe. I do think we should move on to the next bit, though. Okay. Okay. Thank you for letting me talk about that for so of long. Of course. I appreciate it. Hey, let's talk about Dalinar some more. Dalinar finally gets what's coming to him. <laughs> what's coming to him? <laughs> we find out that, and I guessed this in the last episode, but I feel like all the clues were there, so I didn't, like, pull anything amazing out. But Dalinar... Um, that was pretty amazing, though, actually. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, Dalinar speaks to the Stormfather that he's been speaking to, the Almighty, I mean. And mm-hmm. we find out that the Stormfather uh, is a spren. He's the spren of the Almighty. He's a tiny piece of the God, and he's massive. So if he's a tiny piece of the God, oh. But Dalinar goes up on top of the roof and calls to the Stormfather and gets the Stormfather to answer back. And this is going to be the beginning of a very tumultuous, contentious relationship. Because the Stormfather didn't want Syl to save Kaladin. Uh-huh. And he very begrudgingly accepted the words that Kaladin said. The Stormfather was just like, I will send you a storm to wash away your corpses, and that is the very best that I can do. And all of a sudden, he is un... I'm going to say unwillingly bound to Dalinar. Dalinar says the oaths. He knows the oaths. And all of a sudden... Stormfather's not excited about not this. Not at all. But what... Okay... What kind of sword can the Stormfather become? Like, like, ridiculously massive? Hold, hold your excitement for that. Okay. Because I think the Stormfather literally says, I will not be a simple sword to you. Okay, okay. I think, I think you're right. Yeah. Dalinar, he says, Dalinar must be a radiant with no shards. Oh, Um, that's right. I want to jump back a little, little bit first, mm-hmm. where Dalinar mentions that Adolin and Novani have been um, searching through the inside of the tower, trying to find the center, trying to plumb the depths, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And Dalinar has made his way to the top. Yeah. Climbing the steps to the top of the tower. So they've realized that there are several, like, they're putting together the pieces for how the oath gates work. Mm-hmm. Um, they're bringing in tons of people from the shattered planes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dalinar recognizes that one of these is in Kolinar, is yes. in the capital. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but huh. uh, Shalon suspected that Yasna had tried to open the oath gate there. Um, but the woman's note said that the oath gates to each of the cities were locked tight. Only the one in the shattered planes had been left open. And so they don't know how to unlock them yet. Right. Emily. Yes. Should I tell you where you've seen one of the control yes, rooms before? Yes, please. It's in Pi's chapter. 
Who's Jack? What are the rooms? Pi, the ardent, uh, the ardent interludes in the Colonar capital. The oh. ardent who sacrifices herself. Is she the one that that is? Did she draw? That writes all the glyphs. Yeah. yeah. Did she write so, all the glyphs on the oath gate? No, oh. but in one of the rooms that Lon takes her through, he's like, "Oh yeah." This room has like ten rings in it, to, and it probably symbolizes the ten old Alethi kingdoms. Oh. And there's like one extra ring for some reason that probably represents the Almighty. It's the same sort of control panel room that Shalon found <gasps> inside the column in. That is very their shattered cool. Plates. The see the frustrating part is Brandon literally has put it in plain sight. He tells you things before they happen. Yeah. It's amazing. Well it's, done, Brandon. It's almost like the ability to tell a joke about something, and then your sister finds out six podcast episodes later that the joke is actually what happened. <laughs> hey, listeners. Wink. I don't like this. I'm fairly certain you're not meant to. <laughs> So Dalinar very rightfully is like, hey, Stormfather, um, what the hell? Mm -hmm. uh, you sent that storm to try and destroy Shallan and Kaladin. You literally like, oh, the only thing I can do is wash away your sin. Emily, the Stormfather is a liar. Yeah, he is. <laughs> He's a liar. And the Stormfather is the one who was magically sending Dalinar the visions mm -hmm. because he was compelled to do so. The Almighty demanded it of me. I could no more disobey than I could refuse to blow the wind. So, Honor is the one who left these visions for Dalinar. He basically recorded them all. Mm -hmm. And Honor was like, okay, Stormfather, you play these vision tapes for Dalinar <laughs> or for whomever the Chosen One is because... Dalinar, Dalinar doesn't know this. Gavilar had these visions too. Mm. In fact, there, there's a bit where Dalinar says, why did you pick me? And the Stormfather says, doesn't matter. And does not answer him. Mm -hmm. You were too slow. <laughs> uh, yeah. Can you, can you read the Stormfather's whole comment there? You were too slow. Starting from there. Oh, it says, it does not matter. You were too slow. You failed. The Everstorm is here. And the spread of the enemy come to inhabit the Ancient Ones. It is over. You have lost. Uh, Emily, who's the enemy? I'm assuming the Voidbringers. What is this? I make it with my hands. An O. Who's the enemy? O D. O D. Listen, your Discord no. cuts out every 10 seconds into <laughs> complete silence. So I couldn't actually hear you. Uh, I wasn't saying anything. <laughs> I was mouthing the letter O. And I was holding up an O with my hand being like, who's the enemy? Because I was trying not to let the listeners know that you'd forgotten my sister's what we just talked out. about. <laughs> You're not stupid, but we, <laughs> we have seen in Dalinar's flashbacks, what color were the eyes of those Spren in the Pure Lake? Red. And we said that they were Spren of... Odium. So there are Spren of Honor, and then there are Spren of Odium. 
And Stormfather is saying whatever has taken the Parshendi is a spren of odium. Mm. So, question. Yep. Hold on. The the Stormfather. Yep. Seems like he has a tood about stuff. He's grouchy. (laughs) Did he deliberately play the tapes out of order? Did he pull a Roswell season two, episode 19 on you? Or season Um, episode season two episode 20 on you so he has not so he not only did he play the tapes in a specific order but he has repeated that order so dalinar has seen all the different visions multiple times okay okay trying to think this will be interesting because from what i understand this is just a voice that he is talking to Mm -hmm. but kaladin has seen the face of the storm father and sill can make herself tiny or human sized do we know is the storm father just a floating head is he literally a talking head rafo rafo okay rafo okay sorry um what the information we do get though is the Stormfather says that he is not a fragment of the Almighty. He says that he is like his spread. Mm-hmm. Um, a memory that men create for him now that he is gone. I am no god, I am but a shadow of one. Mm-hmm. And Delinar says, anyway, I'll take what I can get. <laughs> uh please read what the Stormfather is telling us that the Everstorm is doing. Uh, it is a new thing, but of old of design. It rounds the world now and carries with it his spren. Any of the old people it touches will take on their forms. So this so. is concerning, to say the least, because from what I understand, Parshmen are kind of scattered throughout Roshar. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the Alethi people that use them as slave uh-uh. labor. Yeah, they are enslaved all across the world. Which, okay, now I'm getting more of Yasna's urgency. Because, like, she and Shalon had talked about, like, like Shalon realizes once Yasna shares her theories with her, like, yeah, these people are everywhere. They, they you know, till our lands. They take care of our kids. They do all this stuff. And they're literally hiding in plain sight. They're sleeper agents sort of a thing. Yeah. So when the storm hits, every listener or parchment that the storm touches is going to be turned into storm form. Okay, I have a stupid question. Okay. And I appreciate you being very patient with me. There are the Parshendi. Yes. And there are the Parshmen. And the Parshmen are not the dull form. They are something completely separate. Believed to be so, yes. Okay. Because Eshenai is like, this is even, like, they are even less connected from us than the dull forms mm-hmm. are. Okay. Okay. And I remember the Parshendi asked Gavilar and Dalinar when they met the Parshmen, where mm-hmm. are their songs? Yes. Okay. Okay. Thank you. So, um, huge Rafo on, on everything with, like, what this is what this is going to mean for the world mm-hmm. uh we get we get a, a glimpse of some people that we know 
the new uh-huh. Asian emperor, uh-huh. which is Gox, if you will recall. We did meet him yep. earlier. We know a celebrity. Um, and uh, this part almost made me throw my book down. I was so upset. <laughs> Only Teravangian of Carbronth and now apparently Yakovic had seemed willing to listen. Harold bless that man. Boo. And then there's a plague in the Pure Lake. Is it going to kill all the magic fish? Oh, no. Poor Ishik. Look out, buddy. <laughs> Look out. Look out. But yeah. So. And Dalinar is like, I need to do something about this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Me. All of it. Yeah. I. <laughs> Dalinar is kind of setting himself up to be king of the whole world. Oh, no. No, don't say that. That's exactly what he's it's, doing. But he's doing it with, like, not realizing he's doing it. Like, Teravangian 100% uh-huh. is setting out to do this one thing. Uh-huh. And people have called Dalinar out for this multiple times. About how, Dalinar, you have to actually, like, let go of power and let people do stuff. And you have to delegate. And Dalinar's like, yes, that is a wonderful idea. I will do that. And then does not. It's like, yes, definitely. But consider instead... What, how about I do anyway? <laughs> how about I also become a Knight's Radiant? Yeah. Yep. So he's like, he just, he just yells the Knight's Radiant, uh, the first, the first words, the first oath to the sky. Mm-hmm. And Stormfather is like, I am the sliver of the Almighty himself, bitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, Dalinar realizes he's against something primal. It's a something that had actively tried to murder him and his entire army. And Dalinar's like, well, guess what? I don't need your help to become a Radiant. You just have to, ex- you just have to hear the words. Which, Dalinar, okay. It's like, buddy, no, <laughs> this is, this is more of him being like a kind-hearted meddler. Yeah. Oh, it was interesting because the Shard Father, or the... The Stormfather <laughs> says basically what you said, like, I will not be a sword to you. You will be a radiant with no shards. Dalinar's like, absolutely no problem. Summons his, you know, backup shard blade. And as soon as it appeared, scream sounded in his head. He dropped the weapon as if it were an eel that had snapped at him. The screams vanished immediately. And it says, uh, the blade clanked to the ground. Unbonding a shard blade was supposed to be a difficult process, requiring concentration and touching its stone. Yet this one was severed from him in an instant. He could feel it. So it takes so long to bond to a shard blade. It's kind of crazy that he just does it. Uh, yeah. I have some old epigraphs to read you. Alrighty. Throw it out. Um, and, and I would encourage you to just go through the epigraphs yourself again. Mm-hmm. But um, maybe this would have been more appropriate when we were talking about Zeth, but I'd like to read the epigraphs pertaining to the Skybreakers. Okay. And what they are. So here's one uh, that says, Thus were the disturbances in the Rev Toparchy quieted when, upon their ceasing to prosecute their civil dissensions, Nalon Elin 
betook himself to finally accept the Skybreakers, who had named him their master, mm -hmm. when initially he had spurned their advances and, in his own interest, Sorry. refused to countenance that which he deemed a pursuit of vanity and annoyance. This was the last of the heralds to admit such patronage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Here's another thing that mentions them. There came also 16 of the Order of Windrunners, mm -hmm. and with them a considerable number of squires, and finding in that place the skybreakers dividing the innocent from the guilty, there ensued a great debate. Mm. The considerable abilities, the considerable abilities of the skybreakers for making such amounted to an almost divine skill for which no specific surge or spring grants capacity. But however the order came to such an aptitude, the fact of it was real and acknowledged by their rivals. Mm -hmm. This is the abilities for having a great debate. There you go. There we go. Interesting. Do, do, All right. Do. Um, Dalinar apparently let Shellon and Kaladin in on his plan, and they've been yep. in the tower inside waiting for him to tell them if he's successful or not. Wait, wait, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Okay, okay. Uh, Stormfather tells Dalinar he's a Bondsmith. Yes. So Which I've been waiting read... because they, they mentioned Bondsmith on the back of the book, and I've been waiting for one to show up. So... As for the Bondsmiths, they had members only three, which number was not uncommon for them, mm -hmm. nor did they seek to increase this by great bounds, for during the times of Madassa, only one of their order was in continual accompaniment of Uruthiru and its thrones. Mm. Their spread was understood to be specific, and to persuade them to grow to the magnitude of other orders was seen as seditious. So there are only three possible spread. Who could pair with a bondsmith? Mm -hmm. Okay. And there is one more bondsmith. So Melishi retired to his tent and resolved to destroy the void bringers upon the next day. Mm -hmm. But that night did present a different stratagem related to the unique abilities of the bondsmiths. Mm -hmm. And being hurried, he could make no specific account of his process. It was related to the very nature of the heralds and their divine duties an attribute the bondsmiths alone could address. Yeah. So, what does the back cover say, okay. by the way? Can you read me the back cover of the book? Yes. Uh, the Knights Radiant must stand again. The ancient oaths have at last been spoken. The spren return. Men seek what was lost. I fear the quest will destroy them. It is the nature of magic. It is the nature of the magic. A broken soul has cracks into which something else can be fit. Surge bindings, the power of creation themselves, can they can brace a broken soul, but they can also widen its fissures. The wind runner is lost in a shattered land, balanced upon the boundary between vengeance and honor. The light weaver, slowly being consumed by her past, searches for the lie that she must become. The bondsmith, born in blood and death, now strives to rebuild what was destroyed. The explorer, straddling the fates of two peoples, is forced to choose between a slow death and a terrible betrayer, betrayal of all she believes. It is time for them to awaken, for the Everstorm looms, and the assassin has arrived. Hey, that's a pretty good back of the cover that makes absolutely no sense if you haven't read the book. <laughs> Anyway, so, sorry. Obviously, uh, Windrunner, Kaladin, Lightweaver, Shallan, Bondsmith, Dalinar, the Explorer. Is that Lift? 
No, that is Eshenai. Oh, that's Eshenai. Okay. Okay. She's, who's straddling two peoples, but she went off the side of a cliff. We haven't seen her yet, but we also haven't seen the body, so. So she's fine. Hopes are high. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Dalinar asks the Stormfather if he sent the vision this morning. And he and is Stormfather's like, no. no. Well, okay. But anyway, like, and then. Dalinar says it felt like a vision. And so he, uh-huh. he's assuming it's more than just a simple dream. Okay. Hey, I ordered in some boba, and it's going to be here soon. So if I stand up and go, that's I where I'm going. boba. You're the second person today that's talked about boba to me. I want. It's good. I know. I love you. I got two. I'll drink one in your honor. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you. Uh, anyway, um, the, the Stormfather sends Dalinar off with words of encouragement. Mm-hmm. He says... Go, Bondsmith. Lead your dying people to failure. Odium destroyed the Almighty himself. You are nothing to him. I think that's very encouraging. That's very encouraging. So I just imagine, like, Sill or Pattern trying to say something like this. Like, yeah. Like, the Stormfather is at a completely different level. And I think Dalinar is not the only one that could handle it, but, like, Kaladin, with his depressive episodes the the Stormfather would really get under his skin. And Shallan has enough self-doubt that she's trying to actively overcome. I also think the Stormfather would have been a terrible choice for her. And so, I, like I said, I just think that Dalinar has been assigned the correct Spren. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Feels right. Yeah. Uh, he goes into a room that has ten low pillars on it, mm-hmm. in it. And he goes to meet a couple other radiants. And I love- And Cal- Kaladin's like, did it work? And so Delinar takes out a spear and sucks in the stormlight. And Kaladin's like, it's horribly unfair that you managed that on your first try. <laughs> but then Delinar said he felt his wounds healing in a familiar way. Mm-hmm. He'd done this before. Yeah. He'd sensed on the battlefield earlier, question mark, his arm felt fine now, and the cut on his side barely ached anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm finding this interesting because we have these three people, which are soon to be four, and we'll get to that in a second, but we have these, yeah, three, will. <laughs> these three people who come from so many different walks of life. All are now elevated to the same level. And I wonder how much they will be able to let go of their preconceived notions of class and stature. <laughs> Brayfo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shout out to Ben Juano, who taught me the optimal way to put in a boba straw. Which is? You put it right at the very edge of the cup, not the center. Because then at the end of your drink, when you've got your cup tipped on its side... That's the best way to get all the boba. So thank you, Ben, for teaching me the correct way. So um, Dalinar's like, the Stormfather called me Bondsmith. And, you know, they're naming like, oh, Windrunner, Bondsmith, Lightweaver. And then there's a voice that pipes up like, Truth Watcher. (laughs) (laughs) Meowth. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) So I was completely taken surprised by this and yet not at all. Uh Uh-huh. Because you were, this is so funny. I almost started talking about him 
and his spren when we were reading about him freaking out in the the control room earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I thought it was like totally revealed there. Oh, and I'm no. so glad I caught myself because you're like, he's not wearing his glasses anymore. Is that because he was healed with Stormlight? And I wanted to be like, oh, yeah, because, you know, he's got a spread. <laughs> <laughs> glad I didn't. And I, what I really like about this reveal is that uh, Renarin is not at the beginning of his discovery journey. He's already been experiencing visions. He's been experiencing the powers. He knows how to heal with Stormlight. He has a spren. And I think it would have been really hard to have Renarin start at the beginning when everyone else is so far into their journey. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is great that he's able to reveal, I've known this for a very long time. Like, I, again, people surprising other people. I mean, everyone underestimated Renarin completely. And all of a sudden, he's like, and I'm a mm-hmm. Radiant. And you never noticed. So, similar to Kaladin and Sil's storyline in book one, mm-hmm. Renarin in the background of this book has been going through that journey. Yes. And we talked about how, like, Renarin is in the background of so many scenes and i think it's because brandon wanted to save this reveal to the end Mm -hmm. but renarin struggling to you know learn his armor and we find out now he hears screaming every time he tries to handle his dead shard blade Mm -hmm. and uh i i have had a much greater appreciation of renarin this time through especially every time you're like where's renarin why isn't what is it? I wish he was more, I wish he was around more. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, he's there. He's just going <laughs> through his character arc. So hopefully we will see more about poor Renarin. Oh, and Renarin Spren has a name. Yes, it's Gliss. Gliss. And I love that Kaladin asks, like, what do you do? What's your power or whatever? And Renarin says, I see. I see. And I love that. Brandon has been like, he doesn't need his glasses anymore. And we, we see earlier that he's the one that, that can count down the days until the Everstorm comes. Like, I think he must have been worried he was a void bringer because they talk about telling the future is like being a yeah. void bringer. And all of a sudden, this poor boy whose father is crazy and sees visions of the past. Now he's crazy and sees visions of the future. Like, I just feel bad that he was going through it all by himself. Hmm. But he didn't, he didn't, and I'm not blaming him. This is, listen, I'm, I'm going to say I see a lot of myself in Renarin and in the way Renarin uh-huh. handles his issues. I'm not saying he, he did wrong, but he did not go and uh, confide in anyone that something anyone. was going on. Anyone. He did it all by himself. And Poor boy. I am interested to see, because we've got Adolin who had the thought earlier of just like, well, my betrothed is a radiant and my father is, you know, the Blackthorn and, and, you know, his aunt Navani is the queen and his cousin is the king. And now all of a sudden his brother is a radiant. Two out of his two family members are radiants. (laughs) And the idea that Adolin suddenly is going to go from golden boy to secret murderer who i don't know if he's going to confide in anyone else i don't know if maybe he is like renarin as well and doesn't want to 
tell people when things are wrong. I'm intrigued to see what the brother's relationship will be because uh, Dalinar, I think it's in the first book or at least in the beginning of the second book, I can't remember which one, but he talks about not ever wanting Renarin to feel like he's second best. Like, because Dalinar's like, I know what it feels like to be the second son. And he never wanted Renarin to feel that. He's had other things on his mind than checking up on his kids. I don't think it's anyone's fault that no one knew what Renarin was going through. Um, it will just be interesting now that it is out in the open. Yeah, what, like, I love setup for these arcs for the brothers yes i again brandon i am so frustrated i'm gonna say frustrated that these are so good i'm frustrated that like you have obviously have written millions upon millions upon millions of words you fully deserve to be able to write something like this i'm not saying you lucked your way into this at all i'm just saying that me personally i am frustrated that i am not at this level and that i cannot create something like this at this point um but you've just done such a good job where we were talking at one point meg about there's a duel going on in the dueling grounds and it's Adolin and it's the one where he's pretending to be hurt and he's pretending to do badly and you've got Sadius and Eli in the stands doing political things and how both situations were equally tense and equally fascinating. Like Brandon just knows how to pick his moments and he's very good at what he does. Hmm. 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 And I have great news. There are so many moments left in the next 5,000 pages. But, uh, okay, I know we were I know we were joking about uh, Zeth Kaladin road trip. Kaladin is actually going on a road trip. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Where is mm -hmm. he headed to? He is going to, to Alfkar, to Hearthstone. Um, because they're discussing what's going to happen with the... Uh, what what's going to happen with the storm when it when it sweeps across the land again and Kaladin's like my parents are there and I'm like yes I have been waiting for them to make a comeback this whole book I've been waiting for them to somehow show up to the war camps because they heard that's where Kaladin was or they wanted to find their sons I mean I'm Megan please tell me Megan Camille look at my yeah. face look at my face Please. Is it okay if I look at the camera? Yes. Oh, okay. Now look at your face. Please tell me that they already know Tien is dead and that Kaladin does not have to tell them. Babe, I'm going to have to race you on that. the front door. I hate Ray this. Oh, I Cal. hate this. I absolutely detest this, Megan. I will not read oh, that I guess, chapter. You know what? We'll just, we just won't read Oathbringer. Okay, fine. I'll do it by myself in the closet with a flashlight. You're not allowed to skip stuff anymore. <laughs> okay. I, you are not allowed to skip stuff. I feel like if I could only skip one chapter, I feel like the one that I picked was the right one. And you didn't even skip a whole chapter. You just skipped the flashback. So can I skip certain scenes until they all add up no. to the length of the chapter? No. <laughs> It's good writing, Emily. It Just is read good writing. No, you cannot make me. <laughs> anyway, uh, Dalinar even like sends Renarin off to you know obey his orders, mm -hmm. and 
Dalinar was like, he's a Knight's Radiant. I have got to stop sending him on errands. Yeah. So this probably means Adolin becomes the new messenger boy. <laughs> Adolin, go investigate this murder. <laughs> Tell me everything. Yeah, I'm really excited. <laughs> I'm really excited to see how the dynamics are going to change between everyone. Because mm-hmm. as much as I want things to stay the same, you cannot keep the status quo the status quo. You have to shake things up or else things get boring. Like you think about like a procedural drama. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to use Bones as an example. It's the same format every single time. They find a body. They have to investigate. They find who the murderer is. And so in order to keep your your audience from getting bored – that's why you have the the interpersonal relationships and who's dating who and who is, you know, who likes who and who is deciding, you know, to become a secret Illuminati murderer. Like, there you go. Listen, that was because of the writer's strike. <laughs> it was not supposed to be Gorgon. <laughs> so, anyways, makes me. Can laugh. you bleep out? I will can you bleep, bleep out, out where I say the name, the name. of. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Um and so just I'm, in case listeners you want to watch Bones for the first time. Listen, Megan ruins things. <gasps> Angel. <gasps> Angel. Did I ruin the entire show because I told you one thing that happens? Does one spoiler does the knowledge that Moash is alive in book 4 ruin the entire <laughs> series? <laughs> Listen. Sometimes Listen, you get he's excited. alive in book four, but we don't know if he's happy about it that's or not. Right. Um, you just get so excited about things, and that's fine. So you you are very good about not spoiling things when you're focused on it. And I know it's hard, and I can't believe you, that we've gotten through book cannot. two and, and things haven't been super spoiled. So, Well, that's, that's where you had to stop reading. Yes, we're not done with the book yet. We are going to do a uh, live read. Of the epilogue on our Discord. Here's a teaser. I'll read you the first line of the epilogue. Ready? I, no, 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 no. No teaser? No, no teaser? No. Okay. I want, I want to. Stronger man than I. Let's Great. <laughs> yeah. I then will... let's, let's do, our, let's talk heralds. Wait, I'm not done talking about, why are you rushing to get this done? rushing we're in we're past the fourth hour of recording (laughs) rushing my ass (laughs) what because it's been four and a half hours um i just want to say again i I wonder how Navani is going to feel about all of this because I wonder if she's going to go looking for a spren. I wonder if she doesn't want to be quote unquote left out because her okay. husband, I mean, this seems like it's, listen, as much as you said, this isn't a, a inherited thing. You have Gavilar who had the visions. You have Dalinar who now has the visions. Dalinar's a radiant. You've got... Renarin, who's a radiant. You've got Yasna, who has a spread. <laughs> You've got Elokar, who sees shadows 
in the corners of his eyes who probably has the capacity to be a radiant and i just wonder if like that happens what Navani is going to do because not that i think she would do it out of jealousy or anything like that but i just wonder if she's like why not me and if that will be a plot point Hey, Emily, how do you know she doesn't already secretly have one? <gasps> I don't. People have secret wives and secret spread. <gasps> Renard had secret spread. Renard had secret spread. Does secret he have wife. a secret wife? <laughs> he might have a secret love partner you don't know anything about. I don't. You don't because he, he didn't volunteer a lot on camera. He never got a talking head interview in this season of The Office. <laughs> you only saw his shenanigans in the background. Yeah. I adore Renarin and I always have regardless of what you have accused me of in the past I love him okay okay I believe you I'm just making fun of you is all um okay I have another stupid question okay can there only be 10 radiants one for each herald or does each herald have like 10 radiants or is it just okay so there can only be there can only be 10 heralds, but they can have any number. The only order of radiance that has a specific limit is the bondsmith. We know there should only be three bondsmiths. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But there could be a ton of different wind runners or a ton of different light weavers. Um, Do, are there so like, that uh, many spren in, left? Oh, you know, Emily, that's a really good point. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the bondable spren died. Yeah. They died. They died, yeah. And their corpses were left to wicked men. And one of their corpses got dumped in a trash planter. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm so excited to read more about Adolin and his, the outcome of what's happening and what Eli is going to do. She's just going to be so mad. I'm, I'm interested so, for when we run into some, okay, okay. I can't imagine that everyone who becomes a Radiant is going to be a good person. We just happen to know a lot of good people who happen to be Radiants. But there's got to be at one point some backwater, back alley murderer. Who like Zeph. Some, he's not a, he doesn't have a spread. Oh, you're right. I'm right, but yeah. Maybe uh, he becomes the first murderer radiant. Maybe that's it. Maybe there's a murder spread. I'm just Maybe saying like... Amaram gets a spread. No, stop it. Absolutely not. I will flip a table. And I don't want Amaram to become a good person. I want him to not suffer for all, what he's done. Not all spread are as discerning as I know. Can spread. I finish my original thought? No. So the backwater, back alley, murderer... That some spren is like, I see so much potential, but they don't understand the intricacies of human nature. And what if this person corrupts a spren? Can a person corrupt a spren? Or are spren strictly good and strictly bad? Like the red spren, the red-eyed spren. Yeah. Spren are not strictly good or bad. Okay. Just like humans are not strictly good or bad. I mean, do they have like an alignment? Like... They lean uh, more towards good versus evil. Rafo? Okay. We know that Spren have like whole societies and kingdoms in the cosmic. Nope. 
the Shadesmar. Yep, but that's this that's a the physical realm, the cognitive cognitive realm. Yeah. Oh, have yeah. T- the turntables. The student has become the master. <laughs> yes, yes, you're very smart. <laughs> so, there may be spren who are at cross purposes with what humans want, or there could be spren that are just like, ah, oh, let's just all hold hands and sing together. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> all right. Heralds? Heralds! Let's, uh, let's, let's go back. Let's go back. Okay, chapter 87 The Riddens. We've got Shalon and Yezrian. Yep. Okay. Which? Question. She has a jewel on her forehead. He has a crown. Are they considered the king and queen of heralds? Are they the leaders? No. Okay. Uh, he is the leader. He is the king. Shalash is not considered his queen. Okay. I said um, Shalon. I the meant Shalash. Yeah. A number of the radiants have little fancy head, you know, circulates and things. But mm-hmm. no, I do not believe Shalash is considered the queen. Okay. And then we've got... Chapter 88, we have Shalash and Nalin. So, Shalash is about creativity and honesty. Mm-hmm. And this is the episode where Marais confronts Shalon. Where Marais confronts Shalon, Shalon remembers her past. The truth of her past. Yeah. And this is also the the chapter where Amaram chats to town. Meh. And I'm I'm pretty sure Nalen is in the cover art because Nalen is here in the chapter. He is. And Emily, what? When you go back and read the book again, you are going to see, whenever darkness shows up in a chapter, Nalen is in the heraldry <laughs> in the head of each chapter. Nice. And I I'm sure I cracked a joke about that. I'm sure you did. Because yeah, I think he was even there for the. The cobbler murder. <laughs> because it wasn't hey, justice, Harold- he yeah. said. It wasn't just? Yeah. Well, maybe it was justice according to the laws of the land. Nalan okay. seems to all be about laws. Anyway, chapter 89, the four. We've got Yezrian and Shalash again. And. Hey, look and, on the other side. I said and. <laughs> Ishik uh-huh. and. No, that's uh-huh. not Ishik. What's his name? Uh, Ishar. Ishar and Paula. Yep. The so four. I will tell are you. These, are these the Herald Patreons of our four radiants? <laughs> yes. We have Yezrian, patron of the Windrunners, Shalash, patron of the Lightweavers, Ishi or Ishar, patron of the Bondsmiths, and Palia, the patron of the Truth Watchers, which is what Renarin says he is. Interesting. Interesting. Song of the Week is from an album that I have recently discovered. Uh, Emily, it's it's the album from Dream Suite in C Major, what that is from. Okay. Uh, but this song is called Murders. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And it's in honor of Adolin just murdering Thaddeus. <laughs> Doing a murder. Getting Doing a little a treat for himself. Yep. You know what? Adolins can have a little murder as a treat. <laughs> and to you know what? 
maybe nothing will come of it in the next book and everyone will be like, actually, good job. I'm glad Sadius is dead. <laughs> no justice. But until our epigraph with the light, our live read epilogue read live with our Discord live <laughs> podcast listeners. <laughs> I hope, listeners, you've enjoyed this four-hour episode. <laughs> We're not splitting it. We're not splitting it. Nope. Congratulations. You just get a really, 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 really long episode. Really, really, really. So one next we'll yeah. record. We're going to record the epilogue. And, Emily, I have a surprise for you. Okay. Brandon wrote a slight canon short story about something that happened in Words of Radiance. I will also be reading that to you after we do the epilogue. Yes, yes, Because yes. I think you'll get a huge kick out of it. Okay. And then we're going to do a special episode on Edge Dancer and friend of the pod. Ted will be there for that. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to have a special episode on the Emperor's Soul and friend of the pod Ted, friend of the pod Jenny, and friend of the pod Jane will all be on that. Yay! And we'll get started on we'll get started on Oathbreaker. Bringer. So yeah. not breaker. Oathbringer. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Emily. We did it! This book too! We did it! You know what I'm gonna do with Oathbringer is write in pencil very lightly the date that we start it and then write the date that we finish it because I would nice. just like to see how long it, it takes us. So mm -hmm. apropos well, of nothing, where is the storm pod right now in Oathbringer? Oh, Storm Pod is in, I want to say, because they only, listen, Sean and Jack do these wonderful, really deep discussions, mm -hmm. and they only cover like one or two chapters an episode. Mm. So, I don't know, where is it posted? Oh, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to Patreon and look up where they're at. Okay. Let's say you could go to Spotify. Oh, if I oh I can open Spotify on my phone. So to say, if I open Spotify on my computer, it's really slow and bogs everything down. Yeah. Alone at the edge of the universe, humming a tune. Oh, what's that? That's pretty. Uh, that's Dream Suite in C major. Oh. Yeah. So Storm Pod is on chapter fifteen of Oathbringer. Okay. We could catch up to them. We could totally catch up real to quick. Them. And then we could lap them and then laugh. But here's the thing. We have, uh -huh. we have, we have recorded so many buffer episodes that I don't think our Oathbringer episodes are going to come out until maybe October. So maybe we could take a break. <laughs> take a break. And do Roswell. Run away with us for the summer. <laughs> Ugh. Or do one to watch. Oh, and that one. Yes. All right, listeners, thank you so much. We are going to sign off for now and save our files before the giant files crash and corrupt. Mm -hmm. We don't want any corruption sprung in here. Nope, we're out. Peace. All right, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back to eating my dinner. <sighs> I'm going to get back to maybe, I don't know, preparing for Friday. <laughs> nice. You can do it. I believe in you. I believe in you. Ready? Ready. Break. Break.